Welcome back, everybody, to That's Entertaining. This week, we get to discuss the Incredible Hulk. Well, which version of the Hulk, which Hulk are we impressed by this week? We'll have to figure out as we get there. But I'm joined this week because Mr. Pickard has not uh, graced us with his presence yet. He's still in the honeymooning phase of his wedding. I'm graced this week with Mr. Stephen Rice. Stephen, uh, welcome aboard. Thank you. It's good to be here, I think. <laughs> well, I hope. You know, it's good to be here, but where is here? I mean, are we here as in a room? No. Online? Maybe. In the earth? Yes. This heavenly plane of existence? <laughs> uh, oh, man. If I knew more about, like, Marvel or DC, I could make some comment like, oh, are we on Earth 3, Earth 4? Oh. And I know absolutely nothing about either of those. Uh, uh, yeah. But pretend I said something witty there and then laugh heartily. You, yeah, I'm just going to call you the abomination this week because that that's, was pretty bad. That's, yeah, that's fair. I probably <laughs> deserve that. All right, Stephen, why don't you tell the folks who are listening who you are, what you're involved in? All right, so uh, my name's Stephen. Um, so I've, let's see, I've been podcasting for like, actually, I think it's like six or seven years now. Um, it's kind of gotten away from me. But uh, I do a Star Wars podcast called the Iron Can Podcast, and I do all things Star Wars. Um, which is kind of sad, occasionally. What? And kind of awesome. Sad? Um, no, 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 no. Not sad. Do, do you sad. know how much I could, like, how much I would know if I didn't have as much Star Wars knowledge in my head? And now it's all useless Star Wars knowledge because it's all about the EU, which is no longer in existence. Listen, you can tell a legend. It's okay. It's true. I like to believe <laughs> that somewhere out there, Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade totally got married and had children named Ben. A child named Ben. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, that's my, like, outside of work life. And inside of work, I do computer stuff, which is always fun mm -hmm. and frustrating You and me both in IT. Yeah. I did direct tech support for a year. I don't need to go back to that. <laughs> Have you tried turning it off and on again? Yeah. Let's see. What's the line? Uh, people, what a bunch of... <laughs> She was the IT crowd line. Oh, that's such a good show. Uh, yeah. I finally picked it up, like, about a year ago after a friend's like, Steven, you really need to watch this. And then I did it in, like, I don't know, two days, three days, something like that. I have it on good authority that if you Google, Google, <laughs> the internet will explode. Uh, at one point, I desperately wanted to buy, like, an Etsy person who had made the, the internet, the actual box, <laughs> and just start walking around, put it on my desk, and... Unfortunately, it never quite worked out. One of these days. One day. You'll get there. Yeah. But tell me about you. Who are you? Oh, me? I'd, I'd, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm assuming maybe people here know who you are. Yeah, most people uh, know who I am. This is our, I think, ninth episode now, so hopefully everybody kind of understands who I am at this point. But I'm just a guy who likes movies, games, comics, anything entertaining. Oh, and I'm a Star Wars fan as well, so... Uh, Excellent. I have that going for me. Um, I'm also in the IT uh, realm of things. I do support stuff. So uh, I have that box of the internet somewhere on my cube, I'm sure. So I need to make sure that I have that prominently displayed after this chat. Just be careful and make sure you return it to the top of Big Ben when you're done. <laughs> that's true. But, yeah, so uh, that's just me in a nutshell. Um, but like I said, I like to be entertained. And this week... I haven't been entertained by a whole lot. It's been a busy week, but I tried to get a little, couple things here and there. But foremost, 
you know, since I am a Star Wars fan, and you are too, the most appropriate headliner is that I've been playing Knights of the Old Republic again. Still one of my favorite games of all time. Oh, mine too. It's, oh, that game is so good. So you are aware of the Humble Bundle that's out right now, I'm sure, for the Star Wars I, games. I did see it, and then I looked through and realized I already owned all of them. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah same here. But, but uh, it inspired me to go back and play Knights of the Old Republic again, because I've been talking to some guys uh, at work and stuff, and they've never played it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's shame. such a good sh- or good, uh, good game. You know, it's funny. I got so way back in the day when I was a young tyke. Um, I'd always been a Nintendo console person. So I had a, I had an N64. I had a GameCube, and during that, uh, I guess it was it was the sixth generation, I think, whatever it was. Um, I had my GameCube for you know a year or two, and at the time I had a fairly narrow interest in games, mainly Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I looked on back in the day when you went to individual websites to get news. I went to LucasArts website and realized that hey. Why are all of the cool Star Wars games coming out on Xbox? Knights of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. Jedi Starfighter. Obi-Wan. Uh, no, I never did play that one, unfortunately. That was one of the first games I got. Very nice. Jedi Outcast and was on there, too. That one I, had, I picked up a little bit later, I think. But Knights of the Old Republic. So I, I eventually got, for my birthday, I wished for an Xbox. And what do you know? It appeared. <laughs> um, and I started playing Knights of the Old Republic. And being young me, who was just bad at video games, I started playing... I got to, uh, went through Dantooine, and I'd never played like a D&D style RPG either, so I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Got to Tatooine, I had already spent all my credits buying items, and if you <laughs> recall, on Tatooine, you have to buy HK-47 for like, I don't know, 5,000 credits, 500, uh-huh. something like that. Not that much if you know how to play, um, and I didn't have that, so I couldn't progress, and unlike... Like, I didn't know you could also leave Tatooine and go to Kashyyyk or Manan or any of the other planets where you could also get money. So I had to stop <laughs> playing for a while. And uh, actually, now that I think about it, so I stopped playing. And never picked it played, back up. No, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I picked it back up, started playing through a little bit wiser this time as a Jedi. Uh, sorry, as a light side character, because <laughs> we're all Jedi. Um, except I never saw the point, like, in getting lightsaber throw. And I was playing like, you know, the pure, I, don't know, I was going to say Paragon, but that's a later game, pure <laughs> light side. So all of these, you know, buffs and things. And I got to the boss fight with Malak where he is draining the, the life out of your dead, ah, like dead Jedi. Yeah, uh-huh. And I had no abilities to actually attack the Jedi bodies. So Malak <laughs> essentially had infinite life. Uh-huh. Uh, so I never finished that time either. Um, <laughs> I want to say... After buying the game, it probably took me like four or five years to actually beat it and truly appreciate it. <laughs> I had it, to, was, it was bad. I had to have played through that game at least mm, 10, 15 times when I was on Xbox when I was younger. Just replayed it so much because I found that every time I played through it, something was different. Because I think, mm-hmm. like like you, that was my first experience really with like a Bioware game where it has all those yep. branching decisions and you know light side and dark side and all those different progression trees. So with that, I I just found something new each time, and so I kept playing through it and playing through it, and I never got tired of it. It was so good. It still is. It's like if I don't have an iPad, but if I did, I would buy it on the iPad and just never stop playing it. I just always <laughs> have a game going in the background. Yeah. I bought it on my iPad when I uh, first saw it that was on there, so I grabbed that. But I've been playing it on uh, my PC, and I was actually broadcasting it out on Twitch. So I was Very trying nice. out 
that for the first time on my PC side of things. I've been broadcasting from my Xbox, other things, but... I honestly have seen you do it once or twice there. Yeah. Uh, other things I've broadcast recently are iDarb. Uh, iDarb is an excellent game. Have you played this yet? So I played uh, two matches online, 1v1. Um, had, a, had a blast doing it. A little bit of lag... Um, and I felt like it was more of like a party game, so I haven't I haven't really gone back to it yet. Lag but. pretty much kills that game. If if you have any sort of lag, it's just it's so precise, really. Yeah. Well, and it was like when I first got into the game, it's really confusing because you don't know what's happening and how to play, and there's very little instruction. And like over two games, one v one, slowly realizing like, oh, if I jump on someone's head, I can bounce off of them, and oh, I can bounce the ball, I can actually aim the ball where I shoot it, and I can mm-hmm. bounce it off of things and score and get more points. And it's like, are you familiar with the like story behind its development? Not really, but I'm sure there's a fascinating story behind it. It's a, so it technically the game is hashtag idarb because it was actually designed by Twitter. The developer put a picture, uh, posted a picture on his Twitter, and it was just like a platform, and a square on it. And he's like, hey, guys, I made this. What should I do with it next? And someone's like, you know, add gravity. Or, and so he had gravity. It's like, oh, and I had some control, so now I can, I can move this square around the screen. Um, and someone's like, you know, add a ball. So he's like, I, I added this ball, and you can pick it up now. And just, like, by interacting with people on Twitter, it slowly took shape until iDarb was created, and they released it. That's really cool. It's like, a really interesting game. I've been, a, I need to play it more. There's a ton of integration with Twitter and Twitch on there. So like the hashtag bombs and things like that, those those get crazy. I had some guys that uh, I play with on Xbox Live. They were watching me on Twitch and then hopping on the, the chat and hashtag bombing me, different things. Oh, just going through them. Like, one of them found a list, and he was just like, oh, I'm just going through this list here. So like, oh, my gosh. This is crazy. <laughs> Like well, there was one where like I need... Ricky, uh, you know Rick Roll, where he's like yep. this, his little bit of music comes through, and then he like dances across the screen, and <laughs> jeez, <laughs> so fun. There, there's a ton of fun awful. game. Yeah, I, I, we need to revisit that, or I need to revisit it, and we should play, and I will probably lose horribly. <laughs> hey, I'm down. Whenever you want. But in addition to that, I've also been playing a little bit of uh, uh, Master Chief Collection again. Um, so last, well, was it Saturday or Friday night? Um, a bunch of guys got together again and we were all just playing some, uh, some custom game types and just having a fun time, just doing whatever, putting up Griff Ball, uh, all kinds Very of good nice. stuff. Uh, and then we were doing some matchmaking, but yeah, matchmaking still wasn't treating us nicely. So, uh, we didn't stick around with that for too long, <laughs> but I had a great yeah. time playing it still. It's such, such a good game. Um, when it was you really play. nice to revisit all of them. Oh yeah. Uh, and I forgot, you know, and I was playing through all the game types and then we we're like yeah let's do halo one man <laughs> halo one multiplayer especially like when you go from halo four it's just oh it, it's rough i i especially because the matchmaking there is a little weird so like my first game i never played halo one with a lot of people um i only did i think ever like four players split screen and actually now that i think about it, this was like a 3v2 match because this was when the game first came out or pretty soon after i think so it was still kind of wonky um the pistol, obviously ridiculous. I now even more understand just how ridiculous it is. Mm-hmm. And then we drove, it was like 48 to like, I don't know, 10. It was 3v1 at this point because one of the guys had quit. And the other guy on the other team quit, but the game kept going. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no time limit on it. So we're all just like, I guess we'll leave because <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. 
that that's back in the day though. But it's it's yeah. nice to be able to play it online officially. Yeah. So uh, after a little bit of gaming with Halo, um, kind of stepping out in between the physical and the game world, I have a new amiibo uh, in my collection. Actually, I have two new amiibos that I can talk about now because I got another one mm-hmm. last night. So I have the Lucario amiibo, who was a retail exclusive to uh, Toys R Us, I believe, had it. So interesting story with this this has been a saga uh in 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 previous episodes i've always kind of talked about my amiibo addiction a little bit but so (laughs) when they first announced that these were going to have retail exclusive amiibos um or amiibo i don't know the proper pronunciation some some say amiibo some say amiibos for plural i'm not sure Hmm. whatever i say either that just whatever comes out whatever feels right uh anyway when they announced these retail exclusive ones there were Lucario for Toys R Us, Shulk for GameStop, Meta Knight for Best Buy, and then Rosalina for Target. And hmm. it was just kind of weird, kind of like, okay, whatever, but pair that, narrowing the channels down for how to get these with Nintendo not knowing the supply and demand ratio, and these things are just selling out all over the place. Like, if you didn't get it when it was first released... Or if you didn't pre-order it, you're not going to get these exclusive ones. So I pre-ordered the Lucario Amiibo when it was first available from Toys R Us's website. And then they canceled the pre-order for some reason. There was this big thing uh, about it. Everybody's pre-order got canceled. That's awful. Yeah, they don't really know why. But so after that, they sent out another email. Sorry, we're, you know, order it again this time. Here's a special link. Use this code. And like, okay. So I pre-ordered my Amiibo there. But I wasn't. I wasn't sure that I was going to get it, so I went into the store, and they had these little re uh, reserve cards, and you take it, you put a dollar down, and you say, okay, I'll get my Amiibo when it comes out. So this week, um, I kind of forget that it's released, and I go and uh, I get the Amiibo shipped to me, and I open mm-hmm. it up, I'm like, oh, great, it's here. So then I remember that I had the card for the one at the Toys R Us, and I went there to get it, and they sold out of them, and even though you have a, re- a reserve card, it means nothing. So, well, I don't know what the point is for a reserve card, but my backup plan wasn't much of a plan. <laughs> so, what? yeah, my backup. I had a reserve card from Toys R Us, but they said since it had been out for like three days, they put all the stuff on the shelf. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The Toys R Us logic, right? Yeah, that's, I don't. Yeah, Toys R Us, Best Buy, they all seem to have a little trouble understanding how pre-orders are supposed to work. Yeah. But one place that knows how pre-orders work, uh, and pretty much pioneered pre-orders, honestly, is GameStop. And they had the uh, Shulk uh, Amiibo that was exclusive there. And I pre-ordered that one and selected store pickup for it. And it came in Wednesday. And I didn't want the same thing to happen with that one, where if I don't get it right away, they'll put it on the shelf. So I definitely went the day that I got the call to pick it up. And walked in there, and I was like, hey, so you got my Amiibo. I have a Shulk on pre-order. I gave him my name and whatever. Uh, and I asked him how many they had. And he's like, well, we only got three. And they were the three that were people had pre-ordered already. So I was like, wow. <laughs> so there weren't any, if you didn't pre-order it, you didn't get it from my particular store. So, man, good good luck I'd, getting these things. The, the supply and demand on these the Amiibos has just been ridiculous. And, I'm, I'm almost shocked by how well they're doing. 
I am too, but at the same time, I kind of figured something like this would happen because it's the first time Nintendo's doing this wide-scale thing. Like, I'm not opening any of these. I'm just having it for a collection because they're really cool pieces. And, I mean, you're a Star Wars guy. I'm sure you have a Star Wars collection. I have a Star Wars collection of just carded figures. This is kind of the same mm-hmm. thing, but with Nintendo now for me. I don't know. Yeah. At That's first, fair. I started with, like, one figure, and I was like, I'll just get one. And then I was like, eh, let me get this one, too. And then it just kind of, you know. It always just starts with one. <laughs> the first taste. Yeah. So, but uh, I went to, went ahead and got the exclusive ones. I have Rosalina, and I have Shulk now, and Lucario. The only one I'm waiting on is the Best Buy one uh, for Meta Knight. So, after that, I should have all of them again. But I'm not <laughs> sure... After this wave, if I'm honestly going to keep going, I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to keep keep the train flowing because they're re-releasing some of the original ones already, mm-hmm. and they haven't even gone through the entire set. So, I don't know. It's uh, so. Are you familiar with the Star Wars X-wing miniatures game? Uh, I have every piece, and I have some duplicates and triplicates. Yes. Okay. So you, okay. <laughs> so you will appreciate. So I picked it up. Uh, when the f- game first came out, and I bought one of all of the first uh, set of expansions. Only one. Now, the thing you have to understand is I very rarely played that game. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. I just didn't have friends who were really into it. I didn't have a good play space for it. So I've got a bunch of pieces that I've just never played. And for a while, I just kept buying a couple more. Like, oh, I don't have a Y-Wing yet. I'll buy a Y-Wing. Oh, I don't have the TIE Advanced. I'll buy the TIE Advanced. And I, I, I had to forcibly stop myself because I knew if I didn't, I'd just end up with... <laughs> far too many pieces to a game that i never play in the first place well even if you don't play it they are great little pieces just to put on your That's desk true. or something don't no don't tempt me <laughs> they like, are, it, so i got out of it i stopped thinking about it and then they released the a-wing and the tie interceptor i looked looking at it and was like i want those so bad and then i want to say did they release the tie defender yep tie defender yeah, tie phantom was, damn why don't i have a tie defender the tie yeah. defender is one of my favorite it is my favorite Imperial ship. Oh, I love the Titan. Well, fighter ship. It's so, so but, awesome. And then the Phantom, they gave yeah. a stealth device, too, so it does some pretty interesting stuff if you actually play the game. Um, yeah, I need, to, I need to get back into it. It's a fun game. It's so, it is so good. I have a, a couple of buddies at work that I sometimes I'm able to play with. In fact, I'm trying to, uh, I'll probably play it next week with one of them. Um, just do a quick little match over lunch hour and uh, do Smart. a little little action I haven't played with the uh, out. I think it's called the Outrider Dash Rendar yep. ship. Outrider. Yeah. So I haven't played with that yet. So I'm gonna build a YT twenty four hundred if memory serves. <laughs> is it the twenty four? Yeah, because the thirteen. Yeah, it's is a the, twenty. It's a twenty four hundred. Yeah. And Just, oh man, the, the, see, these are the things that that are in my brain. And that's Legends now. I know that stinks. I wish that that well, was canon. Shadows of the Empire should still be canon. Uh you know what? Shadows of the Empire. It's it'd be in a weird place actually, because I want to say Lucas had some involvement in Shadows of the Empire because it was kind of, it was the first big uh, multimedia push that Lucasfilm and LucasArts ever did. Mm-hmm. Book, a game, uh, I think there was a comic, yeah. Soundtrack. Probably. No, there was. Yeah, because yeah, I remember oh, reading okay. the soundtrack and reading the or listening to the soundtrack and reading the book. Speaking of which, if they ever re-release that game on Good Old Games or on GOG. I'm going to have to buy it and try it, because I never did beat that game. Never? Oh, man, that was a great game. At, at the very uh, end, did you get to the last level, at least? Uh, the farthest I think I ever got is I once got to the level in the sewers. <laughs> okay, so that's where the disruptors come in for the first time. Yeah. Oh, that's a good game. 
Oh, it actually wasn't that long ago. Like in college, I had my N64. I'm like, oh, you know what? I never beat Shadows of the Empire. You know what? I was pretty, like, you, you heard my story at KOTOR. I was really bad as a kid. I bet you I can beat it now. <laughs> uh, I died horribly. All of my lives gone by the time I got to the ATST on Hoth. <laughs> it was, it did not go well. I am looking over at my Nintendo right now because I hooked it up uh, over the holiday time. And uh, in, in the Nintendo right now is Rogue Squadron, but sitting on top of my cartridges Ooh. is Shadows of the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that, yeah. that's such a good game. If it does come out on on GOG, definitely have to get it. I'll probably have to get it too because yeah. it was on PC uh, back in the day. Yeah, and they've been re-releasing old games. So like, I never got to play uh, X Wing or Tie Fighter or any of those. So I need to pick those up mm -hmm. once I have a computer that. I was gonna say once I have a computer that can play them. Any computer that can play them, I suppose. <laughs> pretty much. I need to buy. I, I need to buy a joystick is what I need before I can play. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much need a oh, joystick for that. Here, or you, wait, no. Just use your Xbox One controller. Yeah, but I don't know if, how well will that work for a flight sim type game though. Yeah. It'll probably be okay. I don't know. Here, actually, speaking of being bad at video games as a kid, I, I did have X-Wing Alliance. Did you, ever, <laughs> did you ever play that one? Uh, I never played Alliance, but I played Rebellion, I think, was the other one. Yeah, Rebellion's also out, which I, I want to try. But X-Wing Alliance is the same vein. Um, again, I don't know why I was so bad as a kid. There was a mission. I, you were in a Y-Wing, I think, and you've got... Maybe it was a B-Wing. I think it was a Y-Wing. And you've got like six proton torpedoes and your lasers, and you've got like two lives. Um, and you're supposed to meet up with a convoy in deep space. And I, again, I don't remember the setup of the level, but you arrive, and the convoy is there, and it's being attacked by the executor. <laughs> and I just remember, th as in my brain, the way to beat that level was you have to destroy the executor with, with a, a single Y-Wing. No, no, a single Y-Wing. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> And so I remember dumping, like, you could see its, its hole is, you know, 100% and its shield's 100%. And I'd dump all my proton torpedoes and full-strength laser blasts in. The shield bar would flicker from, like, 100 to 99 <laughs> and then back up. It was, I was so bad at video games. It's oh, not even funny. Man. That brings back some memories, though. <laughs> Such, GOG, come on now. You need to... You need to give us Shadows of the Empire so Steven can finish it, and I yep. really should probably play Alliance. <laughs> I think it's on yeah. there. It, Alliance is on there. I highly recommend it based on my 15-year-old memory of the game, or however, <laughs> whenever it came out. Ah, uh, nice. Um, but one more thing that I'll bring up for being entertained by this week, and that is Better Call Saul. It debuted on Sunday and also had a follow-up episode on Tuesday. Uh, I've only seen the first episode. I'm not going to give any spoilers to it, but it is a follow-up slash prequel to the Breaking Bad series. So um, I don't know if you've ever seen Breaking Bad, but it's it's a pretty good show. And if it's, it's on Netflix the entire run. Yeah, um, it's on my list. I haven't gotten around to it just yet. Nice. But I, I've heard very, very good things about it. Yeah. To say the least. It, it's one of the great, like, nice, good drama, honestly. Um, and so Better Call Saul is based around this lawyer that's a character in that, uh, in that mm -hmm. TV show. So it's it's a prequel to the events of uh, Breaking Bad, so you can kind of see how things will transpire through the uh, through this series. So I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. I haven't had a chance to see the second episode yet, but I did see the first, and it started out pretty decently. It had a really interesting, really depressing opening scene um, that was really artsy, uh, black and white. Uh, hmm. It was <laughs> very stark, uh, and. And that opening scene actually uh, is after the events of Breaking Bad. 
So Oh, interesting. Yeah, so it's really cool the way they're going to tell the story, I think, from what I can tell. Like I said, I haven't seen the second episode, but I'm looking forward to getting around to that one, too. But uh, that's about the extent of my entertainment for the week. Steven, what have you been entertained by recently? So I'll try and stick to the last week, but uh, for context, late last week I started playing through Rise, Son of Rome, or uh-huh. I was finishing up my playthrough. Um, I picked it up on sale for like 10 bucks. I'm like, hey, you know, why not? Uh, had a really good time with it. But it's now that that was... 10 bucks. Yeah, like it was... I was surprised by how much entertainment I got out of it. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> but, uh, but with that out of my way, I started kind of diving into my backlog. So I picked up... Uh, this isn't really all that old, but uh, Game of Thrones Episode 2, Lost Lords, mm-hmm. and played through that and had a really fun time with it. Um, I don't know. How, how are we on spoilers here for things that are fairly recent? Let's not give any spoilers but like you can say vagueness okay so i'll say episode two didn't uh not quite as much shock factor as episode one uh but still really fun and definitely kind of you can feel the pieces moving into place for the rest of the season Mm -hmm. um and telltale's doing what it really does well making you hate everyone (laughs) and this this the the game of thrones series is six episodes so the typical yeah. all, typical ones are all five. So this one has an extra episode to kind of work with and play with. I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with it and how. Uh, I don't know. Actually, to put it another way, I'm really happy to <laughs> to play a Game of Thrones story that's going to have an actual ending. Right. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> something that's defined. Some yeah, defined ending, and I can walk away and say, you know what, that worked well. Uh-huh. This is what it's like to finish a Game of Thrones thing. <laughs> God knows how long we'll be waiting for the show or the books to finish. But Come on, J.R.R. Martin. Or G.R.R. Martin. Yeah. I can't talk. It's been a long day. <laughs> I know that's it. But uh, I, I'm curious to think, without going into spoilers, obviously, because I mm-hmm. played the first two episodes as well, and I thoroughly yep. enjoyed them. In fact, have you played, um, uh, what was the other one that they just recently did, the series? Tales Borderlands? of the Borderlands? Yeah. Uh, on my list, haven't gotten to it yet. Okay. I'd be curious to see what you think between those two, because... I bought them both at the same time, and I played them the mm-hmm. same day. Episode one of Game of Thrones and of the other one, uh, Borderlands. And I went. I discussed this in a, in a previous episode, but all the reviews and everything for Borderlands were that it's really good. Um, everybody's loving it. And Game of Thrones, not so much. So I went in expecting, okay, uh, I'll play through this one, see what I think, and then I'll end with Borderlands. And I really enjoyed the first episode of Game of Thrones. It was really good writing, good character introductions, yeah. and it tied into the show really well. And then I played, I was like, well, I really enjoyed this. I don't agree with all the reviews, and I'll probably really like the um, Borderlands one, even though I've never played a Borderlands game. So I went into that, and I was just like, I was not impressed. I, really? I thought it was okay. You know, a lot of the huh. people that played it said that it was just funny. They were laugh-out-loud moments. I may have cracked a smile or maybe a, sh- a slight chuckle here and there, but it wasn't, like, funny, in, in my opinion. It was it tried too hard, really, to be to, to try to be funny. And it just didn't, for me, it didn't click. Whereas I thought the, the writing and just the development of the Game of Thrones one was a lot better and more concise. But I'll yeah, be interested I, to think what you think of the the two compared. Yeah, I know Borderlands has a kind of unique sense of humor, and I know it's got this unreliable narrator thing going, which sounds really interesting in practice, but maybe not as good in... Or sounds good in theory, maybe not as good in practice. Yeah. But one of these days. 
one of these days. Um, let's see. I also, uh, so I played Sunset Overdrive when it came out and loved it. And I bought the season pass, but hadn't actually gone back and played the uh, first DLC, the uh, Oil Rig of Moil or something like that. <laughs> I'm blanking. That sounds like a Sunset Overdrive title. Oh, okay. Uh, let me, so it's pretty fun. You got and you're fighting on this oil rig, and it's actually, I really enjoyed it. A couple of new monsters to fight, some new weapons. Um, the moment that killed me, though, is, uh, I'm not, I don't really consider this a spoiler, but maybe if you're particularly concerned about the Sunset Overdrive story, skip ahead like 10 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever. Anyway, uh, so the final boss there is kind of like this, uh, a kraken from underwater. Hmm. And you know how Borderlands, or not Borderlands, actually Borderlands does this too. Huh. Uh, Sunset Overdrive does like the flash screen. Um, it, you know, pauses and gets uh, kind of two or three colors and then tells you the name of the monster. Mm -hmm. So this one was the D-L-C-S-E-A monster. D D -L the DLC monster. <laughs> and, nice. and it popped up and I'm looking like, oh, the DLC. See what is that? Oh, oh, oh! See, th so that actually succeeds in funny storytelling, funny writing. It like it was, it was a stupid joke, but damn if I didn't laugh. Yeah, and I, that's a game that I still have to play through too. I, I've maybe gotten an hour into it. Uh, I need, I even bought the season pass when I first got it, and <laughs> I just haven't gotten past the first hour of the game. I, I highly recommend it. It's probably one of my favorite games I played last year. The just the uh, the movement and the like the movement system and combat just all works so well together. It's just it's an amazingly well done game. Nice. I, I need to get back into that some one of these days. Yeah. yeah so I played through that. Uh, I finally started Assassin's Creed Unity. I still haven't um, started mine either. I, okay. I won't. I won't spoil it. I. I within the first hour. A similar event happens twice and makes me laugh because it's, I don't know, this, the kind of traditional Assassin's Creed style story. Yeah. Um, just getting into that, uh, still running into some of the glitches and such that uh, I thought they were reported on launch. Yeah, so I, I haven't, like, fallen through walls or anything like that. Although, I take it back, I had a couple of instances where I was climbing on nothing or, you know, some weird glitches there. Um, the big problem I've been having is a frame rate issue. Um, mm. I'm just like running around in Paris, it'll, the frame rate starts getting a little choppy, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and then the most recent game I've started playing as of last night is I played my first couple games of Evolve uh, with the release version. I played a little bit in the beta. Yeah. Um, got my handed to me, I think, like four games in a row. <laughs> um, but I, I have hope that I'll figure out the game at some point. So tell me, what's your uh, what's your gut instinct? Do you do you like it? Do you compare it to Titanfall at all? Because you know the online type thing, or so I think I'm I'm worried about the game in the sense that it's multiplayer. On, uh, take it, back. it does have some single player stuff apparently, but it's I feel like the majority of the game is really multiplayer. That's where it shines. Um, so it's you've almost kind of got a limited time to play it before the community kind of gets. Uh, too small and too focused on people who are really, really good. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, uh, I feel, did you ever, you, I assume you played Left 4 Dead. You must have played Left 4 Dead at some point. Um, I started it, but I don't think I got very far in it. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, <laughs> well, so Left 4 Dead had a versus mode where it was uh, four humans versus up to four hunters or monsters. Uh -huh. 
And what I, the big difference between Left 4 Dead and Evolve, because it's the same idea, you know, 4v, an asymmetrical game with humans versus, you know, uh, zombies or humans versus a monster in this case. Um, but Left 4 Dead has a very simple set of controls and uh, abilities. You know, it's uh, pretty easy to pick up. You know, if you can figure out how to shoot a gun in the game, you're pretty much good to go. Mm -hmm. Evolve is really, really complicated on both sides. Um, you, this, trying to track the monster and then knowing what abilities to use when, it's just complicated. And I'm worried that that's, uh, it makes it, there's, it's got a really steep learning curve. And I'm worried yeah. that's kind of impeding on the fun. So but I I, played, I'm hoping that once I learn, it'll get better. Yeah. I played the beta, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I was, I didn't like the beta at all. I was not impressed. And so, I mean, that pretty much, I didn't want to pre-order it. I don't think I want to play yeah. it unless it gets to like a $20 or a Titanfall type sale where it's like everything yep. for 12 bucks. Maybe then I'll get in on it, but I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's, I, I played the beta as well. And I remember, I think I played like four or five games and I had one game where I walked out. I was just like, that was fantastic. Like the game's highs are really high, and I but I feel like a lot of the game is kind of low because if it it's you know if one if your hunters aren't all on the same page or out of sync, the monster excuse me can win really really easily, mm -hmm. and that's I don't know it's I'm I'm hoping those sorts of issues will work themselves out over time and as uh, Turtle Rock releases patches and helps balance things hopefully it'll improve. Yeah. Um, but that's that's all my game stuff as far as actual uh, entertaining TV shows. Um, this is way late to the party. Well, I suppose <laughs> it's still on. Um, my girlfriend convinced me to start watching Super Start watching Supernatural. <laughs> I still uh, haven't so even gotten the invite to that party. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really fun show. I was gen I don't normally like horror stuff. Um, first season's a little horror-y, but horror-y. It's a weird word. Um, but it's <laughs> it's a really fun uh, show. Like I've been enjoying it, and then I've been watching The Flash as well. That's I was a trying to decide show. if I want to put The Flash or Arrow here, and I think I have to put The Flash because I like The Flash so much more. I at do this too. Point. It's I, I, so I watched the first season of Arrow. I believe I've watched the first season. I still haven't watched any of the second season except I did watch of Arrow. Uh, of Arrow, yeah. Oh, okay. Except I did watch recently when they did the. The, the crossover episode between Flash and Arrow, I watched both of them yep. then. But, okay. and so obviously I know a, a few of the things that happen in between, but I just like The Flash a lot. It really clicks with me, and I've never been a Flash fan of the comic book. Mm -hmm. My nephew really is, but I've never been too enthralled by him. I, I'm impressed by that show. Yeah, Arrow, first season was kind of uneven. I really liked the second season of Arrow. Um, the Slade Wilson and Oliver dynamic worked really well. But Arrow is always, it's... It, it took the, the Dark Knight bug. It's always dark and kind of brooding and dramatic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Flash is just more fun. Yeah. Flash feels true to the comic book from what I know of Flash. Yeah. So I like that, too. But yeah, I'm looking. I haven't seen this week's episode, but I'm looking forward to it. Maybe tomorrow I'll get a chance to watch it. Awesome. But yeah, I think that's all for me. Well, it's appropriate that you end on... A comic book related TV show for your entertaining thing. So let's get into the news. Dun, 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 dun. And this week in the news, there was a a really big bombshell, we'll call it. To say the least. To say the least. <laughs> so when the Sony hacks happened, there were these reports that came out that 
um, Marvel and Sony were in talks, but they were disproven right away by both both studios. They're like, yeah, this is never going to happen. So any any hopes that we had were being dashed right away. However, uh, I forget which day it was. Maybe it was Monday or I think it was uh, Monday night. I think it was Monday. Yeah, Monday night. I think Monday night they announced, and it was late that it's official that there's going to be a partnership between um, Sony and Marvel, so that. Spider-Man can now be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I like. I remember I was going to bed Monday night, and I was pulling out my phone while I was brushing my teeth, and you know, top link on Reddit, Spider-Man to join the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was looking like, no, like, what's today? Is it April Fool's? No. <laughs> Is it some other holiday where Marvel's just pulling our legs? No. Like, could not believe that news. I was. I'm still blown away by it. Oh yeah, I mean it's. You know, you're still digesting it. You're still, you know, thinking about what they're really going to do. But, you know, when this was rumored before, we were just kind of speculating. Do you think this would ever happen? If so, I mean, how do you think it will be affect everything? So, it. I'm just I'm so excited for what they're going to be able to do because a, that means that Spider-Man is going to be in I think Civil War. Um, I think that was the one, because he was going to have a solo movie, but before the solo movie, yeah. they were going to put him in a Marvel's proper movie, and that would have to be lined up in that time frame with Civil War. Yeah, so, so they, they said that uh, that they're pushing Thor 3's 2017 release date back from, I think it was July into November, and mm-hmm. a new Spider-Man movie with the, uh, questions about the word new, uh, <laughs> Entering in in that slot in like July or August instead, right? And that he would be appearing in an MCU movie before his standalone, which his standalone movie would be July twenty eighth, twenty seventeen. There we go. So like as you, like, I don't. He's probably not showing up in Avengers two unless this has been in, uh, planned far far longer than we've known. Ant Man didn't just finish filming, so that doesn't seem super likely either. And that just kind of leaves Civil War. Which mm-hmm. is also a very big moment for Spider-Man in the comics. Uh-huh. But I, Spider-Man, I want to say, not to say it was my first superhero film, because it was, you know, one of the first superhero films that came out. But I, like, I was so taken by that film when it came out. It was one of my favorite movies for the longest time. And I'm, I'm overjoyed to see it not only coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also in the hands of Kevin Feige, who has done such a great job with the Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll get something that's not quite as uneven as uh, Spider-Man 3 or the Amazing Spider-Man series. So I didn't... The Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, I I actually liked it. I thought it was decent. Um, I liked Andrew Garfield, honestly, as uh, Spider-Man a lot better than Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Yep. But the Peter Parker, it's almost switched because um, Tobey did a good Peter Parker with the kind of nerdy, kind of quiet Peter Parker... But his Spider-Man just wasn't the mouthy guy because Spider-Man's always been mouthy in the comics. You know, he's always been mm-hmm. like, "Hey, you know, you know," just talking to the crooks and stuff as he hangs them up on the thread and stuff. But what's interesting about this deal? You'd think that there was a, a massive amount of money that changed hands. Like Sony either you know licensed out to Marvel. Marvel gave them a couple you know million dollars to to get the character in their movie. But there was no money in this deal. None at all? None at all. So it's just, it's it's a mutual arrangement uh, that did not involve any monetary transference. So 
Spider-Man is able to be in the in these movies uh, that Marvel's going to put out, and he's going to be included now in the timeline going forward, which will boost the appeal of Spider-Man. And Marvel proper will also include their characters in the upcoming Spider-Man movies. So any solo films will include, or could include, Captain America or Iron Man, you know, in their movies. Yep. So I was, I've been trying to figure out, like, because they talked about a new Spider-Man. Are they going to recast Andrew Garfield then? Okay. Yep, he's already, that's part of the, uh, I don't know if it was announced, but uh, it was discovered that he was going to be out, and they're already going to be recasting. They're going to be casting the new Spider-Man that's in high school. Okay. I wonder if they're going to... I hope they don't do his standalone film again as another origin story. At this point, I think... Amazing Spider-Man 1, I agree. Like, it was a real, I actually enjoyed it for the most part. But a lot of movies felt like we don't, we've been here, we've done that. Like, right. you, can, you can change the beats of the story a little bit, but they're still the beats. Yep. So I hope they don't redo the origin story again. We just kind of get quick introduction, uh, maybe a five-minute intro, like in a movie like The Incredible Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Uh, bring you up to speed and then go forward from there yep i I don't know i'm i'm excited by this news it's the potential that they have now because they could include incorporate like oscorp you know and all the villains really of spider-man um and i i don't know if they'll if we'll ever get this but we're getting a lot if they ever were able to do secret wars i would lose my mind because so did you ever I, read the Secret I Wars to, as a kid? I haven't. I was gonna say, what a, can you give me the the two minute summary? So a character named the Beyonder takes everybody, uh, like the heroes and the villains, and puts them on this planet by themselves, pretty much. And the heroes all have to kind of formulate their teams and work together. They they try to be by themselves at first, like the Fantastic Four just try their thing, the X Men just try their thing. Um, but I think it's Captain America that unites them all. Um, mm-hmm. It was either him or Spider-Man. I'm getting the Spider-Man animated series because they did the a rendition of it too. Okay. Um, but in the rendition of that one, he obviously put everybody together. But they, all of the heroes and the villains were on this world. And so all the heroes had to then work together to take down the villains. And Doctor Doom led the villains for, for, uh, for that. So he kind of formulated everybody behind him. Galactus was in it. It was just everybody hmm. was there. And it was just so massive and so huge. But, I mean, to be able to even get to that part, we'd have to have, you know, everybody back on track. So, you know, Wolverine would have to be in it, the X-Men, uh, and the Fantastic Four would then have to be back with uh, Marvel. But, I mean, they could always well, do a, a version of it, but just include their own characters of choosing. I mean, keep in mind, we're about to get uh, Captain America 3 Civil War, which I'm just guessing isn't going to be... T- too closely related to the actual comics because the whole point of the Civil War was, you know, the unveiling of superheroes and their identities, and that's not really a thing in this universe. So you could always maybe do some twists on it to make it work for the cinematic universe. I think that that statement probably won't be true after the Avengers Age of Ultron. Oh, that's true. Because I think Age of Ultron is going to change everybody's view of these heroes because you've had the Avengers where pretty much everybody came out in the open, right? Right. Um, and then since then you've had Iron Man be publicized and everybody kind of knows about him. And, I mean, you still probably have a sex of Hydra that are in the government trying to get things with this, like, Mutant Registration Act or something like that put in there. Yeah. So I, w- I could... 
I could see pieces of it, I suppose. Like, I think we'll probably get something along the lines of the government wanting to have more control over heroes. But I don't, like, everyone knows who everyone is, except for, I guess, uh, Bruce Banner. I'm not sure if everyone knows who he is publicly. Yeah, but. I'm not sure. Not everybody knows who... I guess everybody does know who everybody is. I didn't even yeah, think about that. So Iron Man, everyone knows Tony Stark, obviously. He kind uh-huh. of announced it to the world. Hawkeye is uh, just whatever. He doesn't care. <laughs> Hawkeye and Black Widow, you're like, yeah, they don't. You probably don't know a lot about them, but they're not, you know, hiding their identities particularly. They just are who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Captain America is, you know, Captain America. His sto- he's got a museum dedicated mm-hmm. to him, for goodness sake. Um, Thor, I suppose, is a little bizarre, but I don't know. I have trouble pe- seeing people calling for the government to, you know, regulate Thor, the god of asgard yeah i mean he doesn't really have a secret identity or anything either because he's just not the god of asgard probably the god of thunder yeah so i don't know i'm i'm really curious to see what they do with it captain america has been one of my favorite heroes for a while so i'm excited yeah i'm i'm hoping that i mean with the inclusion of spidey now i mean yeah he would be the only one i think that would be uh, a secret identity um on this side of things because in DC, everybody still keeps their identities all hidden, but on Marvel, right. on the cinematic universe, yeah, you're right. They're all pretty much in the open. I think. Yeah, I don't want to say like, and I want to say the big moment in the comics for Civil War is the moment when Spider-Man reveals his identity as Peter his Parker. Mask off. Yep. But given that this is the first time we'll see him in the cinematic universe, I I would actually laugh if you know Spider-Man walks on scene for a press conference. This is the first time you've seen him in the on screen. <laughs> he's pulled off. He's like, I'm Peter Parker, and it's a, it's an <laughs> like an actor you've never seen before. It's like. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess that's that. You know, and I wonder for the Spider-Man casting, so they said that he's going to show up in a in a movie before his own, mm-hmm. is if they really may not even need to cast anybody for him. They can just have, you know, him mask the entire time he's in there and then figure out who that's it true. is and then just do a voice. You know, part of me is wondering if if he's actually going to show up in Age of Ultron. Like, I wonder I if this, this deal has been inked just long enough that they could insert him with cgi in some way into the film could could be, you imagine the the ultron robots fighting spider slayers that would be awesome i i want to see that film it's not it next year is not soon enough I, wait it's this year age of ultron sorry. is like in a couple yeah. months sorry well I, i'm just remembering like i was thinking of that after i saw guardians of the galaxy and at that point it was just months and months away and i was sad but we're close yeah. we're much closer so with the, the announcement that Spidey's going to have his own film, um, they did change the uh, release schedule a little bit, so I just want to hit that up real quick. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is going to be November 3rd, 2017. It was moved back from July. And then Black Panther has been moved from November 3rd. It's going to be July 6th. So it's moved up from November 3rd, 2017 to July 6th, 2018, which I'm really looking forward to Black Panther. Black Panther is going to be really good have you ever read any of his uh, no i haven't unfortunately he's he's pretty much like wakanda is the name of his of his place he's like their protector and he's he's like batman in a way i mean he's just like kind of like a regular guy that just has a lot of good skills and stuff and a lot of money (laughs) well yeah i mean because he's the the prince or the king of wakanda so (laughs) uh that always helps and then um captain marvel is going to be november 2nd 2018 and in humans which i'm i don't know that's the one i'm not really looking forward to out of this whole slate uh that's been moved back to 
um, July 12th, 2019. So uh, Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and 2 are still the same. They are in May 4th, 2018 and May 3rd, 2019. So they're just a a year apart, so that's going to be nice between those two. That'll be, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot uh, of good movies coming out soon on on that front. So I've been wondering... I know Sony had been planning like a Sinister Six movie or something along those lines. Um, and they kind of teased it in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 when you're going through the lab scene and you see all these pieces of the iconic villains. Is that still something Sony's going to do or is that now kind of out? So as of now, The Amazing Spider-Man 3 was canceled. Uh, okay. The Sinister Six movie has been postponed and the all-female Spider-Man movie has been pro- postponed too. Oh, I hadn't even heard of that one. Yeah, they were they were gonna do a like a Spider Woman type movie. Interesting. Okay. So, but yeah, those the the official Spider Man movie has been canceled though. The other ones are still yeah. in the work in the works, as they say. But Probably yeah. until they see how then the I don't know the spectacular Spider Man does whatever they're gonna call it this time. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the astonishing they could probably go with. I wouldn't go superior because that's just a weird. That comic book series is weird. But yeah, mm-hmm. but I could see them going with that because it's now that Marvel has it <laughs> called the Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> I, I was gonna say it actually kind of fits now. Now that I think about it, the, oh, this is Marvel's Spider-Man. It's really the Superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice little top hat that he wears while swinging through the city <laughs> and a monocle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, On the outside, of course. <laughs> exactly. So with it being a new Spider-Man uh, in high school, it has to be recast. Um, think of a high school someone who could pass as a high schooler and be a good spider-man i really can't come up with anybody off the top of my head uh do you have any thoughts of who you think might be cast as spider-man you know what i'm I'm drawing a blank um i'm trying to think who i've seen that's you know fairly young that could pull it off and i'm not really coming up with anyone yeah but I'll actually I'll I'll go as far as to say is I kind of hope they cast someone uh, fairly unknown at this point, because mm-hmm. as we're starting to reach the end of Phase Two and Phase Three, you know the big Iron Man, Captain America, uh, those actors, their contracts are you know coming running up. Yep. And I'm wondering if they're going to renew the contracts or they're going to pick someone new, and if they cast a good Spider-Man and they cast someone who's relatively unknown, they could lock him in for like you know ten movies like they did with. Uh, the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and uh, we could guarantee our Spider-Man viewership for a while, which I think would be nice. Yeah, but I don't know. Then I'm, I'm I curious to see if, who they pick. You know, they've always been different runs. Will do it differently, but in one of the runs of Spider-Man, uh, the Winter Soldier actually killed his parents. So that would be interesting if they ever Ooh. pull that all in together like that. Interesting. So. And they do have the Winter Soldier for like 10 more movies or something like that. Uh-huh. That, oh, okay. Now I'm curious. The wheels are turning. Just, yeah, this is, this is the, one of those moments where I just wish that I could, you know, I just want a time machine that takes me to each new Marvel movie. Yeah. Each new Marvel movie and Star Wars movie. Just make each, you know, each stop along yeah. the way. <laughs> um, so one more thing. There's Spider-Man is home. But there's someone else now who's been looking out, you know, through the window, as it were, to try to get inside. Wolverine wants back, wants into the Avengers. What do you think about that? That would, I would love to see that. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen, though. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, I mean, we didn't know, we didn't think Spider-Man was ever going to happen, but I think Fox has just 
I don't know. They have more money than Sony does, honestly, to, to do the pictures they, that they so want. So Sony's been hit really bad with the hacks mm-hmm. and uh, just in terms of their profits lately haven't been fantastic. And they don't have a particularly good track record at this point with uh, their franchise that they've got to play with. Mo- Fox, not as good as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but First Class was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Days of Future Past was pretty good. They're they're doing well enough that I don't think they're feeling the uh, pressure like Sony was. Yeah. And then I think Fox is doing Deadpool. So. Oh, yep. Deadpool's coming up. I actually I was, I saw this just before we started. Um, Ryan Reynolds posted a sepia-filtered Instagram picture or Twitter picture uh, of the with the Deadpool mask just barely out of view. <laughs> nice. So it's 2016. It's coming. It's... It's releasing next year? Uh, that's what I thought I saw. Huh. That's quicker than I thought, but that makes sense. I mean, production schedules on these movies, don't they aren't like they used to be. Yeah. All right. Back so, in our day, we had to wait three years between movies. Back in my day. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on from the Marvel news to just some other entertaining bits of news. Better Call Saul, like I said, debuted earlier. And it had the biggest cable TV debut ever. So it was a, a hit, as they say in the industry. Can't um, say I'm surprised. Yeah, I mean, you have a lot of uh, a lot of viewers in, coming in for that because of the Breaking Bad and everything. Uh, but it pulled in the 4.4 million viewers in the wow. coveted 18 to 49 uh, uh, male demographic. So, and then... Very nice. The 25 to 54 range, it was 4 million. So it's still not, not bad. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, following, I believe, The Walking Dead 2, um, which was which was interesting because it was watched by 15.6 million people. So there was a bit of a drop-off there between The Walking Dead and Breaking Bad around Better Call Saul, but still... Uh, for a first debut pilot episode, it is the number one holder in cable series history, at least. Not bad. And then um, House of Cards. Um, have you seen House of Cards? Nope. <laughs> Another thing. House of Cards and Orange is the New Black are both on my list of shows to get to at some point. I would definitely put House of Cards on the top of that of that list. <laughs> okay. Um, but House of Cards is so good. The sec uh, the third season is coming out later this month, I think, on the twenty seventh. And this past week, I think it was Tuesday. For some reason, there were ten of the thirteen episodes leaked or available, really, on Netflix that shouldn't have been out there. Um, but people were able to watch the first ten episodes of the third season. And Oops. it was funny how, how they handled that uh, with the the leak is the Twitter account of um, House of Cards actually quoted Frank Underwood in a way saying, mm-hmm. this is Washington. In Washington, there's always leaks. So <laughs> it was uh, it was very appropriately handled, and I'm, I, I can't wait to see it. Um, I'm actually trying to make my way slowly back through watching them all again uh, in time for the uh, season three episode uh, debut. So, um, and uh, another bit on the TV front, John Stewart has been hosting The Daily Show for nearing 17 years. Have you ever watched The Daily Show? Uh, I've seen it once or twice, yeah, and I've watched tons of clips of John Stewart, of course. Yeah. He, I mean, he's, he's actually, he's, he's a 
a, a good voice in the industry. I mean, he, he tells it like it is. Uh, and he's funny, too. Um, but he's he's been a guy that I always enjoyed watching uh, his show. He announced that he is retiring or just stepping aside, really. Uh, he said it's been 17 years. He actually wants to have dinner with his family on a weeknight. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's looking forward to, to post-Daily Show life. Um, so we'll be looking to see who his replacement is in the future. But, you know, Colbert, Colbert left, uh, and his replacement, I don't, I don't know, I didn't really... I didn't really click with his replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, when Stewart leaves, I'll see how his replacement is, but I, I don't know. I think that maybe that that era is kind of past, and maybe they're trying to do different things now that they aren't doing back then. So maybe it's just me. I'm not hip to the times um, <laughs> or something. I know uh, Jimmy Fallon got kind of that reaction when he took over the, uh, was it Late Night Show, Tonight Show? The one uh, that... The Late Show or The Tonight Show? Because he, he did The Late Show and then he's he did done, The Tonight Show. Uh, when he took over for Conan O'Brien. The Late Show. Okay. Um, I remember he had the same sort of thing where people weren't quite as sure if he fit in as well as uh, Conan did. But He's been awesome on The Tonight Show. I will say uh, John Oliver, who had filled in for Jon Stewart at one point, has been doing a fantastic job over at HBO. Oh, yeah. That's a great... His show is awesome. It's really good. Yeah. I've been enjoying that one. Yep. Uh, moving on. This Sunday, SNL is declaring their 40th anniversary show, and it's going to be three hours of SNL. So it's basically going to be a double-sized episode of Saturday Night Live, um, and there's going to be guests, I mean, and, and people that have been on the show for over the 40 years that are still around. Um, there'll be a ton that are showing up on the show, so... Uh, it's just going to be a big, huge thing that they're making a deal of. I think they even have emojis now uh, that were released on one of the platforms. So That's really cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be this Sunday. If you're a fan of Saturday Night Live, um, there will be a, a myriad of guests. And Very kind nice. of uh, looking back into the gaming side of things, Halo has a new game that was announced. Have you heard about this? Uh, not until I saw this link that you gave me, so <laughs> this is, it was news to me. Yeah, so it's not uh, not going to be on Xbox, not going to be on PC, Sad, but it's coming to a tabletop near you. So those graphics, man. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> there's going to be a miniature game coming for Halo, uh, which is pretty cool, actually, because like we were talking earlier about the... Um, the Excellent. X-Wing games. Yeah. I I don't want to fall down the slope of just buying these to collect these either. So I've already kind of told myself I'm not going to get into this one because I, I'm into the X-Wing. I, I only have room for one in my closet. <laughs> yep. So uh, I would like to, to play it, though. So I think one of my buddies at work is actually going to pick it up because uh, I believe this is uh, it's by a company called Spartan Games. And they have another game out there called, I believe it's Firestorm Armada. Yep. Um, and yeah, and he's he's played that. He enjoys that. So he's gonna, I think, pick up the the beginning of this one just to see how it goes. Um, and if he likes it, he might keep on with it. But I'm looking forward to maybe playing that with him if uh, if I get the opportunity. So definitely check out the uh, Spartan Games Halo Tabletop Miniatures game if you're interested in that. They've got uh, some cool, uh, cool renders on their website that uh, I recommend. 
And just mm -hmm. looking at them is like, I, okay, I might have to try this at some point. Even though I don't know the company, I don't know if the game's any good, but Halo ship miniatures are going to become a weakness of mine. I can feel it. Yeah, that, that picture of the, it's not, I forget the, the, the ship class that it has listed there, but the Pillar of Autumn ship. Uh, uh, the Halcyon? I, yeah, I just want one of those to put on my desk. Yep. But these are ships that you're going to have, they come uh, unpainted, so you paint them yourselves. Um, I know a lot of people enjoy that. I personally like X-Wing for them being pre-painted and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you're into uh, painting your own ships, this could be up your alley. And one more thing I want to finish out on. Because I think I, after that bit of news, the Spider-Man casting, I mean, the Spider-Man announcement especially, I almost think like we need a vacation. And to take <laughs> a vacation... I could get behind this. <laughs> a I, nice I vacation... Love. Out on the ocean, under the stars, maybe. Under the stars, you know, maybe, maybe walk down the, down the aisle and see this little droid rolling by. Star Wars Disney Cruises was announced this week. Um, so I've never been on a cruise, but I I have now found the perfect reason to go on a cruise, uh, and that is for the announced. I think there's eight. That they're gonna do that sounds right yeah uh eight disney cruises that are all gonna be uh considered star wars cruises where they're gonna have star wars characters on board uh you know walking around i don't know i don't think they're gonna be five oh first although there will probably be members of five oh first that are on the cruise anyway i'm um, sure but they're gonna have you know characters walking around they're gonna have uh episode seven screening isn't that crazy to think that <laughs> episode seven is gonna be on a cruise ship it, it occasionally people be like so i can't wait to see episode seven this december i'm like Episode seven's coming out. Oh my god! There's more Star Wars. I, it still has not sunk into me. It won't sink in until I, I sit down and watch the movie, and then my mind will probably explode. But I, so I actually went on a Disney cruise when I was younger, and I'm not gonna be able to go on these, but I can I could highly recommend it to anyone because if you've been to Disneyland, you kind of you kind of get the gist. Disney is just so good at making taking a space and filling it with their uh, their stuff. Like the, from you know bow to stern, that ship will feel like Star Wars and Disney. And I like if they do it, I have to imagine they're gonna do it well, and it's just gonna be fantastic. My only concern is if they if we get caught in a storm, if someone has to say, move out of the storm so we can make a clear transmission. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, but that'll be that'll be awesome. I really want to make my way onto one of those. Um, di uh, so Disney Cruises obviously would be a good choice of cruise. I think the only there's only one cruise ship uh, that they're going to be doing this on, and it is the Disney Fantasy. Um, yeah, so, I think I saw that. Yeah, so if you're looking uh, January, February, March, and April, um, there's two uh, two cruises per month uh, on the Disney Fantasy. They're going to be Caribbean cruises. And so they'll stop off Ooh. on the Castaway Key that they, they own. I was going to say, so I've been to Castaway Key. Um, and for those of you who don't know, this is literally just an island in the middle of the Caribbean that Disney bought. <laughs> um, I haven't been there in a couple of years. When I went, uh, they were still, it was it had a couple of things there, but they were still kind of building it up. Um, I know they've done more. So I remember they put in like a Pirates of the Caribbean ship, like a full ship hmm. that's just on the island somewhere. But it's it's really cool. Also, only place I've ever had soft serve ice cream that was cookie dough flavored, which was amazing. <laughs> nice. So uh, look look for that if you are interested in a a cruise and also a Star Wars cruise. Uh, to check those cruises out. 
So, with that, let's conclude our news, and let's hulk out as we move into our entertaining thoughts. Segways, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Little trying moped. to make fun of me, but he can't even say the word. I no, it's it's a segway. It's <laughs> um, it's how you're supposed to pronounce the little like you know two wheeled wheeling device. The, uh, <laughs> um, it's I would you, you wouldn't know how to pronounce it. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> the the official pronunciation nobody on earth can ever write. Exactly. Well, because the segway, it's you know, it's a it's a Swedish company, right? So, um, they just pronounce things weird. <laughs> I don't think they're Swedish. That's probably IKEA. Anyway, I believe so, we were going to talk about the Incredible Hulk. Yes, the the Incredible Hulk, uh, and this is the second movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe canon. Um, and interesting, the first thing I noticed about this movie was that it was a Universal movie. Did you did you catch that? Oh, the opening credits, yeah. like the really. Yeah, so this was uh, not published. How did I not notice that? Yeah, so this is the only movie that has a cinematic, uh, or it has a Universal logo on it. So I think Iron Man they did themselves, but then this one they had a distributor with. And But the funny thing is, Iron Man came out before this one. So, yeah. But they came out the same year. They both came out in 2008. That was a long time ago. It was almost. In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> That wasn't anyway. too long after Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was 2006, yeah. right? Uh, 2006 or... Yeah, I think it was 06. That's... Sounds right. Sounds no, no, right. no. No. Oh, 05 was Revenge of the Sith. Was it? Okay. Yeah, because it was 99, 02, and 05. Uh, 05. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this was three years after uh, after that. But um, with the reason I bring up Revenge of the Sith is because in this one with the Hulk and with the Abomination, you really have to... Put your reliance in CG, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a ton of CG in this one. Where in Iron Man, there was still a, a fair amount of practical effects, but uh, they used a lot in this one. And comparing the way the Hulk looks, so we, we've seen recently three versions of the Hulk. We've had the Eric Bana Hulk, which nobody, mm-hmm. we won't talk about I, because... I, I haven't even seen it, to be honest. <laughs> it's, it's not worth it. It's terrible. <laughs> Uh, and then we have the Incredible Hulk here with Edward Norton. And mm-hmm. then obviously in the Avengers, we have Mark Ruffalo's Hulk, which Mark Ruffalo obviously looks the best, but it also came out um, um, 12 years later. Or you know what? Years, I'm not sure I'd be willing to say that. Really? I, I don't know what it is. I think I prefer the CGI in this movie to the Avengers. Really? And In that respect, I mean that only in the Hulk. Um, I prefer the Hulk model here. I'm not sure what it is. I, I've noticed that every time I've watched the movie, and it, it bothers me because it shouldn't be that way. 
I think it's because so much of the Hulk in uh, the Avengers is in the broad daylight, and here we get a lot more shadow effects, which just makes it look a little more natural to me. Yeah, and that's why you but, had to pretty much have these, like the monster fight that was at the end in the dark because of the CG, yeah. probably. Yeah, um, the Abomination doesn't look quite as good, I don't think, but yeah. I don't know why, but I really like the look of the Hulk here. So, and I have to be curious, did you watch the Hulk in um, Blu-ray or... Like was it standard definition? I did watch it in Blu-ray. Okay. Um, I pick. I actually never saw the Incredible Hulk when it came out. Um, I didn't watch it until I want to say probably after the Avengers came out. It was quite a while. I picked it up on Blu-ray and went back and finally watched it. Um, I'd expected it to be really bad, and it's actually not. I, I actually kind of enjoy it. Yeah, it's not a bad movie uh, by any means, really. It's just, uh, you know, I think the Hulk gets a bad rap from just being a little with the other hulk it just had such a bad yeah. flavor after it nobody really wanted to, to, to and touch the, it. The, the fact that this was the second one that they did in the canon is kind of funny um because well, another thing about this movie so if you line up the timelines between this movie and iron man 2 and thor leading into the avengers this movie takes place concurrently to both of those, um, and it it starts right after or right as Iron Man won the climax, and goes through mm-hmm. right up until the Avengers. So there's that a. That is impressive. Yeah, there. The timeline for this one is is the longest out of all of them if you look at the chronological effect of it, but uh, there is a a timeline that Marvel put out just leading up into the Avengers that uh, shows you that. So it's pretty cool mm-hmm. to be able to uh, to see how these all line up visually, uh, so you can kind of get a feel as to okay, so this does this happened here, this happened here. I don't know if you're like me. I love the fact that it's all connected and it's all chronological. It's that makes it so much more impactful and cool. Yeah, they yeah. It's one of the nice parts about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is just how well put together it is. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk about this movie. Um, we'll try to keep it like we did last week with the Avengers. We're, no notes for this, really. We're just going to talk about it like if we walked out of the movie Iron theater. Man. Yeah, with Iron Man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's almost interchangeable I'm, because Avengers is pretty much Iron Man and Friends. <laughs> I was going to say, I realize Iron Man is popular, but like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, no notes for this one like last week. We're just going to kind of try to keep it in order as it, the movie happened and uh, just kind of... Like, we just walked out of the movie theater, we're just talking about it. So, this movie opens up, and it does this, and we were talking about this with the Spider-Man news, it does this kind of uh, flashback, so they don't have to rehash the whole origin story of the Hulk. It does this flashback of him becoming the Hulk. What do you think about that? Um, so, having never seen the Eric Bonner version, uh, and not knowing a whole lot about the Hulk to begin with, it's it's a nice start. Um. Given what we find out later in the future about how this was all attempt to recreate Captain America's super soldier serum, I would have liked to have seen more elements of that brought into the uh, origin story. Mm-hmm. But it works pretty well. I mean, you, you get introduced to the the three main players, uh, three of the main players. I guess there's one more in this movie who comes in a little bit later. But it it, it works pretty well for like a you know the three four minute summary that it is. Yeah, it gets it gives you enough to get going. You understand Hulk. Destroys things, can't be controlled, and so on. Yeah. So you at least you get the 
the baseline of who this character is that you're about to watch. Um, you kind of get it. And it's done, honestly, in a pretty adequate way. So, yeah. like, if someone went into it, like you, who'd never seen the original Hulk, or I'm sure you knew, like, Hulk background comic books, so you know who the character was. A little bit, in. yeah. I mean, I know Bruce Banner turns, gets angry, turns green, giant monster, smashes things, but that was about it. That's about my knowledge of when I first saw it. <laughs> yeah. So Kind of prob- a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Mm-hmm. Probably most people, it's very similar. But I, I would like to see, like, the number of people that didn't know much going into the Hulk about this movie going into it what their reception was of this little opening credit sequence. Cause it really is just literally the opening credit sequence. Yeah. Because after that, um, we go into Brazil, Brazil. Yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's not the movie Brazil, but different Brazil, <laughs> the actual country. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting. So he's kind of always portrayed the Hulk or the Bruce Banner character as kind of the wandering guy. And so he just mm-hmm. finds himself in random places. So we find him in Brazil, and he's working at a, a bottling plant of all places. So yeah, it, it's it's a really like you could almost do a vignette of it. Like yeah, I could see this kind of being a Marvel one shot because it just it shows who Bruce Banner is at this point in time. He's living simply. He's got a dog. Um, you know, he he's doing taking classes to control his anger. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to stay below the radar and work in this bottle factory where, you know, he refuses to be put on payroll, but he does everything he can to help out. Yep. And obviously he's very smart. He's educated. He's learning Spanish, I think. Um, yeah. And so that... From watching, uh, suddenly blanking, what is it called? The show on Sesame Street. Yeah, Grover. That's what I was looking for. Yes. Yeah, he's you. watching Grover and he's, he's learning how to say uh, hungry. <laughs> yeah. And then that plays into a little joke later where he's he's goes to defend this girl uh, from these three guys in the shop, and he's like, "You don't want to make me hungry. He wouldn't like me when I'm hungry because he's trying to speak to him in Spanish." Uh, that was a was a funny little joke there. Good scene. Yeah, and I was gonna say. So speaking of things that are, I don't want like. So he goes to this to this anger coach, and the guy's talking about how you know your anger is in your chest, your emotion is here. It says you need to control it, and he starts doing his diaphragm <laughs> that thing, thing. <laughs> and like i used to be able to suck my stomach in so i looked like you know you could see my rib cage like that i never could do that or it's i don't know how to feel about a scene like that yeah the, he had some pretty major control uh in that scene yeah. um, and we're also introduced to the uh the heart monitor that bruce banner wears kind of throughout the entire movie which you know <laughs> i'm um I'm recalling a line from uh, Stargate once where they talk about how a flashing clock on the screen equals, you know, pure gold for, in the entertainment world. Mm-hmm. This serves that purpose. This is the uh, beeping to let you know if it's beeping too fast, you better be careful because the Hulk's about to come out. Yeah. So let me ask you this. With that heart monitor, mm-hmm. do you think that he – so we find out later in and at the end of this movie he's kind of looks like he might have control of it and we find out in the avengers that he's always angry that's his key to keeping it in but at this point do you think he's figured that his heart rate is linked to being the hulk or is is it his emotions um it seems to be his heart rate at this point because that's what he's definitely focused on um there's a scene later on where his heart rate starts to rise amongst other things (laughs) um (laughs) Uh, pun intended, and 
I've lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> but and he, stop, he stops there. I suppose that would be an emotional moment as well for him. But at this point, it's, they almost seem to be synonymous. Yeah, it's, so it's about controlling his emotions, and his emotions give him a high heart rate, I guess. So that's what I was wondering too. But so later on in the in this film, we'll get to the point where he's cornered and, and he hulks out. But at that point, his heart rate's probably it's elevated, yeah. But I think it's because he sees that what's happening to uh, Betty is making him mm-hmm. angry, and so that when it's tied to being him angry that he hooks out and not necessarily his heart rate but i think he's trying to tie well, um, it to something yeah so he seems to be maybe trying to research it because you're right we see the scene there where uh he definitely gets hulked out when he sees betty in danger he gets hulked out when he falls out of the plane and then i'm assuming he's not you know angry or upset at that point that's he's taking bodily harm mm-hmm. and that forces the uh the transformation mm-hmm. so he's getting angry I don't know. Can you be angry at falling out of a plane? I mean, he kind of... Well, he didn't hulk out when he was falling out of the plane. Yeah, but he, he hulked out after he hit the ground. After he hit the ground because he was angry that he didn't hulk out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I I would imagine if you hit the ground, you you probably broke something. I don't imagine being conscious at that point. <laughs> so, and we, we find out, too, if this is... I mean, it is. Uh, in, like, the Avengers, where he tried to kill himself, right? He put a bullet yeah. in his mouth, but the other guy spit it out. So I don't think the Hulk will let him die. And so I think... That's what it seemed to me. Or how it yeah, seemed. So it comes across a little bit in the movie. Because if you're falling out of a plane, your heart rate it has to be through the roof, right? I mean, there's no way around that. So That's right. He has that moment where he, you know he, you can see him trying to Hulk out. And then that moment of realizing, nope, not mm-hmm. happening. And then, yeah. smack. Yep. So I think he'll hook out like if he's about to die or if he gets angry. So okay. I don't I don't think the whole heart rate monitor thing really is an accurate depiction of oh I'm about to hook out. But I mean at the same time I'm not sure about that because every every time that he hooks out it's always because he is angry and not necessarily because his heart rate's high because he gets I think he when he's hooks out this this first time in the bottling factory mm-hmm. his heart rate does hit like 200 and then he hooks out. Yeah, it, um, I know at least at that point they seem to be implying that 200 is that magic number where his heart, where he be, he gets Hulk out, whatever. Right. But yeah, so the, the movie's kind of inconsistent about, you know, describing what it is that causes it all. Right. It's kind of a mystery, I feel. Because if it called out that his, his wristwatch or his heart rate monitor was always at 200 every time, then I'd say, okay. Or if he ever, ever says, like, I can't, I have to stay below 200. But it's always seems to be more tied to his emotional reaction to being angry that makes him come out. Well, that's kind of the traditional Hulk, as I understand it, is it's, you know, you won't like me when I'm hungry or angry. Exactly. Angry, angry. (laughs) So I was just just trying to think if they were trying to to make it more scientific, you know, why he's hulking out. Sort of like, you know, Star Wars introducing the midichlorians or the force. That they're trying just to, uh, to tie this to. That doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> but trying no, to... yeah, I think they're trying to, they're adding a little more science to it. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it kind of helps because Bruce is a scientific man. We see his, you know, home-powered centrifuge that he's built uh, when he's talking to Mr. Blue mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So yeah, it so wouldn't we... surprise me they were trying to make it a little more realistic. Because at that point in time, we'd only had Iron Man, which is a very grounded plot for the most point, for a guy who builds a suit that 
you know, shoots lasers, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but other than that, it's a it's a very grounded movie. He doesn't shoot lasers; he shoots repulsors. I know, I know. So, um, you mentioned Mister Blue. So we see him corresponding to some guy. Um, he refers Bruce refers to himself as Mister Green, obviously, yeah. and then this other person that he's talking to, we don't meet until way later in the movie, refers to himself as Mister Blue, um, and he's trying to help him with his gamma radiation poisoning problem trying to find a cure for the hulk um mm-hmm. so we see him get a, a like a box of a flower um and he uses this flower hopefully he's gonna make a medicine that might you know cure the hulk and he makes his little thing with his mortar and pastel puts it together uses the entire flower to make a big dose and he he puts it in a microscope and it looks like it's working but then the cells turn back into green so i'm assuming that's him Hulking out with his just yeah, blood more hair. scientific Hulk, if you will. Right, but at that point, so going back to our conversation on what causes him to Hulk out, his blood's not angry. <laughs> his blood has no heart rate at that no, point. No, that you don't no understand. <laughs> there are midichlorians in his blood that connect him with his emotions, and he's upset because it didn't work, and that's <laughs> not accepted. They didn't turn. In, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, that, that little bit there didn't... The science of it falls apart a little bit if you look too closely, I think. Yeah, I mean, and that's always a concession when you have movies that deal a lot, a lot with science is that there's always going to be something that isn't quite right. But, I mean, it's a comic movie, so you look past that, you, you see that for what it is, and you're, you're happy with it. It's a nice little visual cue. So, uh, he's in Brazil, he hulks out. Uh, in this in this warehouse or in the bottling factory, but before well, that, wait, wait. yeah, I was gonna say we're missing a very important scene for a Marvel movie. Exactly. So before that, he he's fixing this machine, um, and he pricks himself. And all right, I have to ask you a question. Did that? Yes. Did this freak you out? Because how easily it might be for someone's blood or something to get in like a bottle. Yeah, I I didn't really want to think about that. I like to pretend that the factories that make all the things I use are totally clean and pristine. Sterile and, uh, and 100% yeah, not they're... in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. So he, he pricks himself, and uh, we follow this little uh, bit of blood that drops down into um, the bottling area. He goes down. He has them shut off the, the machines. He finds his little blood spot and wipes it up in you know, a size of relief. But then we see a bottle that actually had a little bit of his blood in it, too, mm-hmm. that it was not, you know, uh, touched and proceeds to be shipped out. And who ends up getting this bottle of soda with the little bit of extra hulkness in it? A certain Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Excelsior. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I have to say, not my favorite uh, Stan Lee cameo. It was just, it was very vanilla to me. Yeah. Not I mean, that it was, exciting. It was a basic cameo. It was better than his cameo in the other Hulk movie. Which, what... since you didn't see that, and since I'm never going to talk about that, was uh, a scene with him and Lou Ferrigno just walking and saying, hey, hey, Bruce, and then as they walk by. Oh, wow, that is worse. <laughs> Trevor, what was his cameo in the uh, Iron Man? I'm blanking. In Iron Man 1? Iron Man 1, yeah. I think he was uh, just a guy at the party. Uh, at one of the oh, parties, that's right. he, he was, was just playing a guy uh, Hugh Hefner. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, I do remember that. Yeah, see, that one I liked better. It's a little more personality. This was just him drinking a soda. And we don't yeah. even get to see what his reaction was, just that... That he know. dropped it. Yeah. So, yeah, he, and they said that he had a little more than he expected. I mean, did that... 
mean that he what? died? Did that mean that he just you know, had a heart attack? Whatever that had. I don't know. So then uh, we meet General Ross, who we met in the opening credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, oh, where'd this bottle come from? Send everybody there. Let's go yeah. pick him up. But first they pick up their uh, British secret agent, whose name escapes me. The guy from House of Lies? Or Lie to Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, House of Lies, which is probably as good a name for a political show as any. But yes, um, I, I can only think of him as the detective from Lie to Me. But I'm, yeah. I'm seriously blanking on his name. Uh, um, he, in this movie, is uh, something with a B. Blonsky? Blonsky? Blonsky, something like that. I remember that. Now I need to go look this up. Here, anyway, here's the benefit of not taking notes and just watching a movie and then talking about it, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, he becomes the say, abomination. Glad, That's the important part. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ross because as I know the actor. I, is the actor Tim Roth? No. I, I don't know that no, I think answer. Tim Roth is the abomination. Okay. I don't know. Now I'm just horribly lost. I'm going <laughs> to look this up now. But I'm pretty sure his name is, is Blonsky. That sounds really right. And he's the he's the ace of yes. the team. Emil Blonsky. Good yeah. call. My comic book knowledge is elite. <laughs> <laughs> so um he leads this team to to go down to Bolivia to to find this bottling plant, to find uh Banner. And then, you know, Banner's trying to outrun these guys. And he also runs into this group of, you know, mischievous thugs, thugs that yeah. were trying to that he helped a, a woman with earlier and so then that's when he gives us the line like don't make me hungry <laughs> you won't <laughs> like me when i'm hungry yep so and then we see uh the first appearance of the hulk and honestly i think this is probably about 25 minutes or so into the movie so it's not bad mm-hmm. uh yeah. your, your first appearance of the hulk well, and they do they do a really good job here because he transforms off screen. Uh, he kills his first couple of guys off screen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very much playing up the monster movie aspect of this. Yep. You know, Captain America was a uh, World War II film. Thor was a Shakespearean film. This is our monster movie, mm-hmm. and it's it is no more. It isn't apparent any more anywhere else. Whatever. This is the scene where that's most apparent. Oh yeah. Where and- he's slowly taking him down this scene reminds me of when i was watching it a little bit of when he hulked out on uh the helicarrier on avengers i was too. just thinking that especially when he's running underneath the grates and mm-hmm. uh chasing people through yeah yep. it's a it's a really effective scene demonstrating just how crazy the hulk is yeah you know the all of these sold professionally trained military soldiers just don't stand a chance blonsky manages to survive but even he, he goes back to Ross. He's like, I don't know what hit us. Like, it just, it hit us mm-hmm. hard. And they think it's a separate being or entity from Banner, but mm-hmm. then Ross is like, that is Banner. So. Yeah. Yeah, so they get hit by, by the Hulk. The Hulk runs away. Obviously, he's uh, able to escape without, you know, being captured because a Hulk. Um, <laughs> and then I think that transfers us... Uh, with him waking up in a jungle, I think I he wakes up in a in a jungle in uh, Venezuela. Is that what it was? That sounds right, but I'm I'm kind of blanking. I anyway, say so. he's not in Bolivia anymore, or not. He's not in Brazil anymore because he's he's he 
meets this guy, um, and he speaks uh, Bolivian. I think I think it'd be Spanish to this person. He doesn't speak. I don't speak that. And so he's like, "Oh well, where am I?" So then he gives him a lift to the nearest city, and he makes his way uh, home, so to speak, to the um, to the university that he had the experiment done on him, or he did the experiment to himself, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Anything of this little bit stick out to you? You know, honestly, I'm still blanking on the scene. Like, I I watched this in two parts to to get ready for this, and I'm like, I remember him escaping. I remember when he gets to the the university. I'm blank. Like I can't for the life of me remember what happens in between. Yeah. So I think he's in Guatemala. Is what it was. But cool. anyway, he, he so he gets to this uh, um, this person helps him out, takes him to the nearest city, and then from there I think it cuts back to uh, probably Ross mm-hmm. talking to uh, Blonsky. Yep. You know about what he what they just saw. And explaining that he was like a byproduct of the super soldier experiment that they were trying to recreate the Steve Rogers super soldier experiment. Yep. And then he created the Hulk because he did the experiment on himself just because he didn't want to risk anybody else's life. And then. Well, they also, I thought they made an interesting point of mentioning that Banner didn't know what he was really working on. Mm -hmm. He didn't know it was, uh, you know, it was to make weapons. He thought it was just an experiment of other kinds. Yep. It's interesting it to kind of weaponized. Uh, make Banner just a little bit more heroic in this case mm-hmm. and help explain some of his reactions later on in the movie as well. Yep. Um, and I think that scene with Ross where he's explaining what Banner did, like he's like alluding to the fact that if you've got more, give me some because if I, you know, had a body was it 10 years younger than me. Yeah, Blonsky starts uh, basically begging for it as mm-hmm. unsubtly as possible. Yeah. Pretty much. He's he's seen the power and he is interested. Yep. He sees it and he decides that he wants it some too. And so then uh, Ross, he you know, there's a little scene where he goes and unlocks this thing, which I guess is just sitting somewhere under no, <laughs> you know, crazy high super guard. And I think it's sitting next to the Ark of the Covenant or something in this just room. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, no big deal. Yeah, and he's like, he doesn't have to have anybody else in there with him. He's just like, oh, I'm just going to unlock this thing real quick. And there's this little simple key. And then he pulls out, the, you know, the uh, the vial, takes a little bit out, and then goes through the procedure and gives it to uh, Blonsky. After so then, making sure to tell him, oh, by the way, this one has to be injected in the bone. Stab. Yeah. So he's like, you know, this is going to hurt. Injects him. Uh, and then uh, I think after that we then get Bruce coming back into town, meeting Betty uh, inadvertently. Right? Like, he's staying at someone's house. Stanley's Pizza. I remember that. Yeah, well, so that actually happens a little bit after, I think. He's staying at, you know, an old pizza shop, and he's trying to get onto the campus so he can get his data. Mm. And they've removed all the data. uh, Well, they removed it from the lab. Yeah, right. So he will find out that they removed it from the lab. But first, we get an important cameo because he he has to get on campus and so the guy offers to let him deliver pizza on campus, but the security guard has to stop him. Yep. A uh, certain Lou Ferrigno, who uh-huh. most known as playing the Hulk back on the TV series in what was it, like the 80s, 70s? I think it was the 70s. But speaking of the old Hulk, um, when, he, when he's in Venezuela or Guatemala, wherever it is, um, he, uh, he's walking up, I remember this because he was walking up the road, 
and they had the Sad Hulk piano theme playing, which is like, do, 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 do. Huh. I don't know. I, I, I'm really bad with music usually in movies, so I didn't even notice that at all. Yeah, and I'll say this now, so because I'm, uh, I'm very fond of movie scores. Um, mm-hmm. The score for this movie was done by Craig Armstrong, who does a lot of really good, um, uh, like piano and uh, some strings, which you can definitely tell here. And I think the score in this movie, while it, if you listen to it by itself, it isn't very standouty. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this movie, it is a very, very good complement to this movie. It underscores, yeah. which is what it's supposed to do, the film really well. Yep. There are, there are a couple of scenes, particularly in Brazil, where the music is pounding, and it just it works really well with kind of adding that tension that Bruce is feeling, trying to keep the Hulk from being unleashed. Mm-hmm. And there, when later on, when we're having like the fight in the streets at the end, um, the Abominations theme, I think, is kind of like a just like this, this string with this high-pitched wailing in it. Um, and it's just like a droom, droom, droom kind of thing. Um, and uh, that is just really well done. It's not over the top. It's not crazy, but it fits. Because you think of a, of an abomination, let's say. You don't think of something that is a, a pretty melody or anything or any sort of march or pop and circumstance with it. But just something that's kind of like, not quite right and paced oddly and then yeah. you get that little that little uh riff yeah so but i believe it's after uh he gets the lab after delivering pizza to old hulk <laughs> so to speak and uh finds the date is gone and we get a, a kind of fun scene we see uh betty with her new boyfriend or fiance um yeah they don't really put out what what he is if he is a, fr- a fiance or a boyfriend? Yeah, I seem to recall that he had more scenes in uh, more scenes in, that were deleted. So no deleted scenes at this point. There are so many deleted scenes in this movie. Are there? I didn't get a chance to check them out. There's an alternate beginning. There's a, like two pages of deleted scenes. It's crazy. <laughs> Which behind that, uh, Edward Norton had a lot of creative control over the movie, and oh, I, I guess his that. cut would have been like three hours long. Oh, so they really uh, cut it cut it down a little bit. Interesting. Yeah, so we get a kind of fun scene where the Pete store owner is talking to Betty um, and her fiancé, whose name is not important. Yeah. And uh, Bruce opens the, the back door. Betty, like, sees him. She starts to, like, move to the side to see, to keep her eyes on him, and he's gone. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, but, like, she saw a ghost at that point. Yeah. Well, at this point, as far as she's concerned, yep. probably is. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's been gone for how long at this point? You know, six months, five months, something like that? Yeah, and they don't know what happened to him, if he's alive or dead. And, mm-hmm. I mean, then the fact that she's got this boyfriend or whatever and has moved on has put him in the past. And seeing him is very jarring, obviously. Yeah. In uh, fact, she doesn't even know if for sure that she saw him, but she knows that she did because, I mean, the door moved, right? Yep. Well, and she immediately jumps into her car and chases off uh trying to find him mm-hmm. as i recall yeah because he uh she goes out in the back alley and looking around and she says bruce and then he uh it kind of pans down and he's hiding behind a trash can mm-hmm. and then you see him walking down the road and you see a car come up behind him and stops and it's her she gets out and then they she takes him back and they reconnect yeah 
it's a it's a good scene but although i have to say to be honest i'm not sure how well Liv tyler fits into the movie lips Hulk, tyler? sorry lips tyler no i said live did no, i know i said lips because oh, okay. she her, well, like, her, like her father she has uh pretty uh pronounced lips um she's so soft-spoken and the movie with the hulk and the abomination and thunderbolt ross Mm -hmm. um they're all very loud and she's kind of soft-spoken and it it was kind of jarring to me seeing some of her scenes like she's almost not enough of a presence alongside everyone else especially edward norton who brings such an intensity to the role Mm mm-hmm it's a it's a nice scene having their reunion and he starts talking about what he's doing and what's happened and so on. Yep. And when I was watching this movie too, it was about this point where I you know thought to myself that this movie was actually better than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still I mean we'll get to this at the end, but it's still not in my top you know movies for the Marvel universe. But it's it's better than I remember it being. Yeah, it. I mean, it's better than Iron Man too. So, ooh, shots fired. I don't know. That's not really shots. I think that's just general agreement. <laughs> yeah. But. So, so after that point, um, then I believe he goes with her to uh, the school. The school, right? Yeah. To get his uh, to get some. What did? What were they trying to get from the school? I wanted, Was he getting the uh, USB drive? I think that she had. He, no. Because she gave him the USB drive at their house, or at her house. Huh. In, in that little box, that? she's like, oh, I got this thing. And then he, he like, swallows right. it at the place to, to not lose it. Yeah. Which, know, by the way, when you hulk school? out, doesn't your, like, <laughs> I don't know, w- wouldn't your, like, intestines and everything just solidify anything that's in you and you it's crushed? I don't know. Maybe. Hulk physics. <laughs> hulk physics 101. Today, we're going <laughs> to learn about... Astrophysics and a little bit of biology. <laughs> a little bit of gamma radiation through in there for good fun. Yeah. So uh, we see him, uh, and he's cornered by the army because yeah. they make their he's debut. Running through, desperately trying to escape, it gets caught on a glass bridge. Which is pretty cool. I mean, honestly, that was a cool shot. Yeah, and then there are a bunch of things about this this sequence that make me laugh. The first one is uh, Ross orders them to fire. Uh, these gas grenades into the into the bridge, mm-hmm. and they come in really fast, and they break the glass, and then bounce off the glass on the back end because it's just a fully glass bridge. Was it that they bounced off the glass on the back, or was there like an archway or a pillar that they hit? Because I thought because I thought about the same thing too. Wouldn't they just fly through if they hit glass on both sides? But I thought there was like a, a pillar that actually hit huh. on each side. Uh, not that I saw, but it it's a fast scene, so I definitely could have missed it too. Okay. Yeah, but but that that that's there. And then the gas canisters explode, and but at that time, um, I think uh, Betty's not really understanding what's going on. So she's running, she's running towards the bridge. <laughs> which, poor poor choice. But yeah, but why why would you just run towards the bridge? You're not going to get to him by going to the bridge. You have to go to an entrance to get to the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. She's distraught. She's not. She's not thinking straight. I mean, sure I, I guess she could get close and catch him if he jumps out. <laughs> yeah. So, but she's running towards him. And then uh, General Ross says, hey, stop her. And so yeah. from Edward's perspective, it looks like they're like tackling her and hurting her. So that makes him angry. Mm. And what yeah. happens when he gets angry? 
he sits down and rationally discusses it over a cup of tea. And chess, yes. <laughs> you no. know, so he hulks out, and this huge fight starts. And it makes me laugh every time, because Ross keeps calling in these uh, Humvees, right? Mm-hmm. And they're driving across the grass. And any time a new Humvee comes in, they're it magic- over. It, it's magically coming <laughs> over a hill. It's, it's jumping over hedges. How do you jump over a hedge? Where? And I, I laugh because, like, the first one's like, oh, that's just Hollywood. And it's just, it, like, there's six or seven Humvees that all come in, and they all do it, even when they're driving on, like, straight ground. Just, like, it's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Or... I don't know. Maybe it's like a speed racer thing, and they've got the little like bouncy jacks underneath that propel them <laughs> into the air. I don't know. It just it makes me laugh every time watching it. Yeah, but so he's hulking out, and then yeah, uh, it's you know they got scene. these Humvees that are coming to you know they got the the Gatling guns on them trying to shoot him. Yeah. And obviously, they just bounce off him, don't do anything to him, and then they bring in uh, Blonsky, who is now Super Soldier Blonsky. Which it yeah. looks like, you know, at this point, that it worked. Yeah, like, he's running faster, he's stronger, he's jumping. I mean, he goes toe-to-toe within punching range of the Hulk mm-hmm. and lives to tell the tale. Yeah, he, well, kicking range, really. Yeah, like, well, he gets pretty close. <laughs> I don't know. Hulk could have definitely reached out and grabbed him with a little bit of luck. Little, did a little puny god action. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. Like, Blonsky just did what even Loki couldn't do. <laughs> But well, Loki really didn't expect that to happen at all. He wasn't quite prepared for a fight. I mean, and, yeah, no one expected that to happen, I think. But, yeah. yeah, so Blonsky lures him out of his little heading area, and we get these two big uh, sound wave Humvees, um, which they're using to pin the Hulk to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of an interesting idea. Uh, it's one of those moments where it's like they're, they're showing off a fancy technology that we never see again, which is kind of too bad. You know, maybe giant sound wave might have been useful against, I don't know, Chitari, alien invasion. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure there were times it might have been helpful. It might have been. Uh, maybe when a rogue uh, Russian builds a su- suit and starts, you know, whiplash. breaking things. Yeah. Yeah. But what would have been funny, though, or interesting about this, this piece, especially now looking at, you know, Winter Soldier and the events that follow. Is if the the technology used in this was maybe, you know, not necessarily good guy technology, mm-hmm. <laughs> or if it was maybe something from Stark Industries or something that they could have slapped that logo, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. But at this point, then technically, Stark Industries probably isn't making weapons anymore, but they could be like you know technology that he had before he started oh, no, this, making weapons. I feel like this fits in pretty well actually with Stark. This is. Non-violent, non-destructive. True. Well, mm-hmm. kind of. I guess the ground is probably going to be kind of screwed up, and Hulk certainly wasn't enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But well, honestly, though, so in Iron Man, um, Obadiah Stane uses his little thing that does the sound wave resonances, but it's more of a localized thing, and this is more of a like a, a broadcast, uh, you know, a directional broadcast than his was. So mm-hmm. this could be similar technology to what we saw in I Iron wonder. Man. That's possible. Not as powerful, though. The Iron Man one was uh, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Neutralizing people just kind of instantly. Yeah. Also would have been helpful against, say, a Norse god. But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, Hulk's having none of this sonic wave uh, stuff. Throws his handmade... Uh, Shields. Yeah. Co- completely bisects one of the Humvees and then 
leaps out and smashes the other. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a pretty cool scene, though, where it looks like he's, you know, because he's pinned down for a good minute or so in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then Betty's like, oh, no, Dad, please. Because at this point, we know that uh, Ross is her dad. I mean, yep. you could pretty much put that together if you didn't know much about the comics anyway. Um, and then so he sees her or hears her screaming above the piercing noises or at least that's kind of what we're led to believe because we hear her screams above the piercing noise too yep and so then he's like yep uh i guess i'm gonna go ahead and just shield myself from the sonic wave and then destroy these humvees yeah does a very good job of it they get destroyed horribly yeah um, so after that and then ross sorry go ahead i was just gonna say after that after his toys failed there he calls in a new toy <laughs> Even though his daughter's out there, he calls in this air uh, uh, airship. See, what Ross at that point he got his uh, he got his kill streak pretty good. <laughs> he, he hit like his twenty kill streak, uh, so he earns the air the AC one thirty strike, and it's about all my Call of Duty knowledge. I haven't played enough of that. Anyway, but yeah, he calls in the gunship, which just starts ripping into the Hulk. Like that has to hurt. Yeah. But his, at the same time, Betty's there, so he's just bending over to protect her so that she doesn't get hit. Mm-hmm. And then Ross realizes, oh, hey, she's out there, and so he tries to stop her. But Hulk, you know, to protect her, I think he takes one of his... He did, What's he grab, like, part of a Hummer or something and throws yeah, it up there? Yeah, I think so. Knocks something out of the like sky. That. Takes so, it down, and then a very cool scene of him shielding her as it kind of explodes all around. Uh-huh. You know what? And that, I, sorry. That that scene there with him shielding him as fire comes around always just reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, Batman Forever, where he has this thing where he has this the cape that goes around him and protects him from this explosion. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know, I just always think about that for some reason. Yeah, not as, and I love the shot of you know this fire is the destroyed vehicle. Ross is finally looking horror, realizing what's happened, and Hulk just stands up with Betty in his arms. Just kind of like gives him a huff of disapproval, turns and walks off. And honestly, Betty looks pretty lifeless at that point. Yeah, that's she doesn't true. like burned or anything, because so you can tell that he protected her from that. But other than that, she, I mean, she's pretty limp. Not not like her best day. Yeah. So then I think it goes to uh, the Hulk in a jungle with Betty. Yeah. And uh, there's you know lightning and stuff which i've heard that that point um there when he like oh, there's this lightning storm and he throws the mm-hmm. rock uh that that's supposed to be the point when thor is cast down to earth oh interesting so yeah i've, I've heard I that could... i don't know if that's official or anything but that'd be cool if it was yeah i could totally see that it's this is i feel like a really important scene because hulk is still hulked out but he's not in combat anymore mm-hmm and Betty wakes up, and you get a f- hit the first moment where you realize that Hulk is there. First of all, that he's capable of thinking, because he's protecting Betty. He clearly feels uh, some sort of uh, desire to protect her and keep her safe. Um, we get a funny scene of him sitting up and bumping his head on the roof. Uh, but we also get a sense of how primal Hulk is, because you know the lightning's going off, and Hulk's you know throwing rocks at it and yelling. Um, you know, he clearly doesn't understand what he's seeing either. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting scene. It, it, it brings a lot of detail to his character, the whole character part yeah. of things. And this is a pretty cool scene too, with the visuals on it, with the rain and stuff. 
so you can kind of see how it is like running off of his uh, Hulk like Hulk out CGI body so it's pretty neat um, mm-hmm. from what I remember of that part so and I think so at that point she, he's not really responding like verbally but he's just kind of like acknowledging her by his body actions I think and yeah. they're just kind of sitting there and I think after that they wake up and he's not hulked out anymore is that what it was or does it cut to another scene like a different location oh what i was gonna say we actually we forgot something fairly important um at after the hulk has survived the sonic waves blonsky walks up to him and just kind of gives him this big like what like is that all you've got mm-hmm. and hulk uh gives him a swift kick and we see his body fly across the ground and smash into a tree. Oh, yeah. That, that would it, definitely kill someone. Yeah. And it, it's this point where we get, I think, a scene with Ross um, and Blonsky unconscious. Um, and the doctor's saying, like, yeah, like every bone in his body was crushed. There's no way he'll survive this. And then as they kind of cut away, you see his hand uh, clench. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, he's actually survived, obviously, because of the super soldier serum um, that he has there. And then I think we we make it to, to Betty and um, Bruce as they're in regular human forms, and I think mm-hmm. they're just like hiding out at some hotel. And she's going to give to get him clothes, and she gets him none other than the uh, the purple pants that we yeah. typically associate a with very the Hulk. a very classic Hulk look, but unfortunately yeah. not in this movie. Yeah. He, he kind of, you know, says, seriously, purple or something like that, but uh, it's a pretty funny little bit there. Yeah. So, after that point, I think uh, uh, it goes in, and I think it cuts back to Blonsky fully recovered. Is that right? Uh, pretty soon after, yeah. He's not looking too good, but he's very clearly... Uh, you, you can see the, the gamma radiation starting to take effect on him. Um, he's a lot paler. He's a little. He looks almost thinner, even. Mm-hmm. Kind of um, like a like like you know almost like Walking Dead. Yeah, um, and you, I want to say this is a scene in the bathroom where you see his spine start to uh, change a little bit, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of the big trait of the Abomination. He becomes later. Yep, and I think so. At the same time, I think it cuts to another scene where it's. Uh, uh, Betty and Bruce, and they're uh, testing out his heart rate monitor in various ways. Yeah. Oh, on the bed. Yes. <laughs> of course. And uh, I, I laugh because I feel like that's the scene where every person in the theater starts to truly understand Bruce Banner's pain. <laughs> so yeah. everyone's just like, wow, that does really suck. Uh-huh. So uh, after that, I think they, with Blonsky, now he's you know back to health. So, quote unquote, and they're kind of trying to to track his movements uh, mm-hmm. from uh, to find out where he's going. And Mister uh, Green, aka Bruce, contacts Mister Blue and sends him the data that he has. And so everybody tr- kind of tracks down who this person is, and they make their way to uh, yet another college, I believe. Um. Yeah. They. It's a college in New York this time. Um, where they make contact with Mr. Blue himself, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. a Dr. Stern, I believe. Yeah, Stern or Stearns. It sounds familiar. Stearns, yeah, I think is right. So, um, yeah. 
so we it's, get to this guy. What do you think of him? What's your initial thought of this guy when when we meet him? Uh, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because throughout the movie, when you see Mr. Blue, it's you, you think he's genuinely trying to help Bruce, and, you know, he seems normal. And you get here, and we're introduced, and he seems kind of crazy. He's got a lab full of equipment that doesn't quite work right. Mm-hmm. And he's just fascinated with Bruce, like, to an unhealthy degree. Yeah. Well, obviously, if you meet someone with gamma radiation poisoning to that extent, you don't expect to see them, like, fully functioning human right in front of you. Yeah. But, so I think they, they kind of talk about this, and he says that he's replicated his blood, and they have a lot of samples. Um, and they they kind of say that with his blood and the samples, they can create medicines, I believe, mm-hmm. um, to to, hear, to heal various ailments. But um, Bruce doesn't oh, agree was- with that. I was going to say, actually, one of the things uh, that happens, because I, I think first is he gets, they do the antidote scene. And yeah. I forgot to mention this earlier. One of the things I kind of liked is when he makes the antidote earlier on in the film, and a lot of times throughout the whole movie, whenever there, there's a liquid involved, it's almost always purple, which I yeah. thought was probably a nice touch to the green and to represent the green and purple you know, colors that are the Hulk. Until you get to the, the final scene of the movie when Ross is drinking a green drink, but yeah. Oh, that's true, yeah. The green drink was, uh, oh, it's the same green drink from Brazil, perhaps? <laughs> I don't think so. This one had maybe a little more alcohol in it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so, so we, yeah, we, we get, get a that... scene the, where we he's going to try and... We don't with that scene, though. We, for which scene? For the antidote scene. So what do we gain from that scene? Well, so we, we think Bruce has been... Cured? Well, yeah, so we get a couple of things. First, we we see again that Betty has a unique ability to help control the Hulk because he hulks out uh, while they're trying to do this, um, and she you know jumps on top of him to keep him calm and keep him from breaking out. And then uh, we see him go back to normal. This is one of the first times I think we've actually seen his body transform fully. It looks really painful watching his bones snap into place and... Mm. Uh, but yeah, at this point, we're, I think we're supposed to think that the Hulk has been cured. There is no more Hulk. Yeah. Not so, that last, of course, but... Yeah. In the meantime, while all this is happening, uh, Blonsky is leading a team into uh, to capture him. Mm-hmm. Or... Is it to capture, or sedate, kind of? Um, I think it's probably... Yeah, I think they're scene. doing the same sort of thing. So they get him, and then... They successfully sedate him before he hulks out. How they do that, I really don't know for sure. Maybe it has to do something with the serum that he got. Yeah, I think at this point, maybe he's definitely a little bit uh, out of control. And maybe they get him before he gets too angry. Yeah. So, in the meantime, while uh, Bruce and Betty are being hauled off, Blonsky is talking to Mr. Blue, and he convinces him to put, was it all the serum? Uh, like I don't know if it was all of it, but he definitely puts some in because he he first of all he lifts up Stearns to like the roof and says like you know I, they've got this really interesting conversation like you saw that power he has and they're like and Stearns is like yeah I saw that power it's amazing mm-hmm. and he's just like I want that for me yeah it's and really interesting to see them talk about power that way about yep. the serum that way and we we get the uh, the line of. You know, I don't know what's in you. The mixture could make an abomination. And that's what he turns into. Yeah. Stir, uh, 
Blonsky becomes the abomination, and then uh, he knocks over Stearns, who is uh, also getting a little bit of that serum. That that was weird. <laughs> that little so, scene, because it's just like blood hitting him on the head, like dripping down. Mix, mixing with his blood. Is it mixing with his blood, or is it just like touching him, and then he's like got these little spots that are kind of growing? That's also possible. Uh, so I isn't there a Hulk villain that has... Like, because he is—he's got to be a Hulk villain. I'm assuming. Oh, uh, he may be. I—I'm I'm not as up on my Hulk uh, knowledge. Let's see if I can find this quickly enough. Uh, Mister Blue villain. Huh. Let's see. I never—I never pegged him as a villain though when I was watching it. I just thought he was kind of a, kind of a crazy guy. Yeah. So it looks like. Do you remember what his... Let's see. So, Madman, Philip Sturds, is a supervillain within the fictional universe. Um, he's a brother of Samuel... St- oh, there we go. Okay. I believe this is who it is. So, there's uh, Samuel Stearns, who is uh, working a chemical plant. Where is this? He gets bombarded with gamma radiation, and he gets changed from an ordinary human into a green-skinned, super-intelligent entity with an oversized brain housed in a towering cranium. Hmm. So I, I, it's a Stearns. We see the transformation happening on his head. I think that's what it's, it's meant to imply. That's who it is mm-hmm. um, for an Incredible Hulk 2 that just never, never happened. Never came. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, though. Let's see. So after this happens... And after he gets the abomination mixture in him, um, what's he do with with all his power? Uh, he just goes to Harlem and pretty much wrecks it. Really, what anyone would do with lots of power, really. You know? mm-hmm. So we we see uh, we see the report. People are thinking the Hulk's loose on the streets, and then you know General Ross is like, "That's impossible. He's up here with me," um, and then. You know, they see that he is wrecking it down there, and they figure out that it's Blonsky. So we get the scene where Banner says, "I'm going to go ahead and, you know, let me let me go fight and let me f- do what I can do. We all created this. Let's mm-hmm. use it." And uh, he just falls out of the plane as normal Bruce, hoping to Hulk out. But we get the scene where he's like thinking that he's gonna opens his eyes like you would typically expect to see the green, you know, iris there. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no uh, luck, nothing. no dice. <laughs> And yeah, so he smash. just falls and smashes into the ground. Yeah, and you get the scene of Betty looking down, horrified that he might not survive. But of course, we see the Hulk fist come out of the ground, and the fight is on. Uh-huh. So then he, you know, fight ensues. Uh, not much we can really say about that, really, but um, he he grabs this car, cut, rips it in half at one point, and uses it kind of as uh, as gloves. To smack him down. So it's a it's a really fun. cool scene. Is that I, I always thought that must have been like a classic Hulk thing to use. I think impromptu. so. It was also in the games. Like he always just like grab stuff and use them on the games too. Yeah. I think that was pretty much something that he did a lot of. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool fight scene watching these two guys, two beasts, just smash each other to pieces. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But you get abominations. That... You get that one scene, though, during the fight um, where the helicopter that Ross and her dad are in, everybody dies in the helicopter, or at least it, something. 
except yeah. them two. Especially there's there's two guys, there's at least two guys that show soldiers that are like fully in battle gear with like a helmet and everything on. Nope, no, 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 not important enough to survive. <laughs> so we get there. The abomination is uh, he seems to have the upper hand, you know, stabbing him with his little elbow bone thing. Um, but then we get to see the Hulk figure out a way to get the upper hand, and there's like I think it, there's like a Hulk smash. He, there's a his... Hulk smash. There's the Hulk clap mm-hmm. to put the fire out which i i guess that works <laughs> yeah why not i'll buy it for the moment yeah we'll um, but the hulk smash is actually really important because it's one of like two lines he has in the entire movie yeah he is hulk smash and he is betty i believe um both with lou ferrigno helping voice i believe if yep. i recall correctly why do you think it is that um the abomination can talk but the hulk can't because he's always angry. That's all I got. I don't know. I, I can talk when I'm angry. I may regret what I say, but I can still talk. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm not really sure why. Uh, the abomination definitely seems more in control of his abilities. Mm-hmm. But and it could be because he's more of a he's a trained fighter. That that could probably be it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but you know, we get the kind of end Hulk stabs rips out one of the abominations bones stabs it into him and then takes the chain and chokes him down uh almost killing him until betty convinces him to stop yeah um it's i actually i generally like that fight scene it went pretty well felt it felt like they were hitting each other pretty hard yeah it wasn't bad Um, i mean that it, it was a great scene especially because the way it was lit and everything they had it was in the dark uh good lighting with the fire and stuff around it um, it, it came across really well, honestly. Yeah, I, it was a kind of a good end, and at the very end, Hulk kind of walks off and jumps away through Harlem, uh, breaking it as we he mentions later on in the Avengers. Uh huh. And then we get transported to uh, the Hulk at the end, or Bruce at the end, doing a little uh, in meditation or something. And it looks like he's found a way to unlock it, and he's hulking out on purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it seems to me that he's realized that the way to control the Hulk is not to go cold turkey, but is to learn to control it and figure out what makes it tick and how to, uh, as he comments at one point, how to point the gun instead of letting it loose. Yep. So uh, that brings us to the traditional stinger, which is usually after the credits, but this time they put it before the credits. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not really a stinger at all. But we see General Ross drinking some sort of green concoction drink. I can only guess it's whiskey with some of that green soda, maybe. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and someone walks into the, walks into the bar with him and uh, decides to have a chat. Mr. Tony Stark himself putting together a team, which really makes no sense at this point in time because there is no team. Yep. So I I know what they were trying to do at the time. You know, they were trying to do this whole building thing. But so this part just kind of fell flat, right? Um, yeah. Every, everything well, that we it, know now doesn't make any sense to what this stinger did. Because if you think about it back then... Uh, the Incredible Hulk was in production long before Iron Man came out. 
they didn't they never imagined how wildly popular Iron Man would be. So at the, with the end of Iron Man and the end of The Incredible Hulk, it actually works. Nick Fury recruits Iron Man in the next movie, Iron Man recruits Ross and kind of by extension the Hulk. Uh-huh. In practice, Iron Man did so well they decided to do another sequel before they ever got to the actual Avengers, and I'm guessing the plans for the actual Avengers changed such that they're like, "Oh, Iron Man 2, yeah, uh, Tony Stark didn't actually get to join the Avengers. There are no <laughs> Avengers. Never mind. We take it all back. He didn't build Let's the team. Seem... He's just a consultant. Yeah. It makes me... I, I have to wonder, though, now that we've seen the Hulkbuster suit in uh, Age of Ultron, or we know it's going to be there, I wonder if they're going to try and work this scene into that. Because take it another way. If you imagine his line of something like, I have something that could help you, or we need to talk, you could definitely see it becoming a conversation of, well... Ross is like, he's drinking straight whiskey shots, you know, I can't stop him, he's a monster, and, you know, and, I don't know, Tony Stark has some witty line, like, I guess we'll have to bust that Hulk, or, I don't know, something <laughs> like that. I could see the Hulkbuster suit coming out of this conversation. Yeah, that's I, not too far of a stretch. I wonder if, we'll get a, if it'll get mentioned in Age of Ultron. I doubt it, but it'd be, yeah, be kind of cool. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if in Age of Ultron, when we get there, um, Bruce helps... Tony Stark designed the Hulkbuster suit just as a failsafe. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Soon. So that uh, that brings us to the end of the Incredible Hulk. What What's your overall thoughts on this movie? Better than Iron Man Two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's I have to say it's actually a pretty enjoyable movie. Like this is this is one of those movies that makes me think that you know it's it's not an amazing movie you don't walk out of it wowed and blown away like you are with iron man or the avengers but it's it's one of those things like if this if every marvel movie was if this was the worst they ever got i would be happy like it's it's a solid entertaining movie that's worth revisiting every you know once a couple of years every year two three whatever yeah watch it before a new avengers movie comes out just to kind of refresh yourself when everybody's been exactly yeah, so, I mean, it, like I said at the outset, it was better than I recalled it being. Um, but I'd, so, I, and I'll just rank the movies as we've done them so far. So we've only done this and Iron Man. So definitely, this takes second seat to Iron Man. But this yeah. will definitely fall closer to the bottom rung for me uh, as we progress through. But it's not, not a bad movie, like you said, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there is one probably that I'll put below this, maybe two. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's Iron Man 2, which is what really? we're talking about next week. Interesting. Now I'm curious what you think is worse than The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> so, uh, we'll, we'll get there. I, I won't spoil okay. my, uh, my thoughts just yet. But, uh, next week we will be talking, continuing our Marvel discussion and talking about Iron Man 2. You kind of alluded that uh, uh, it's not your favorite, <laughs> and it features it, a particular Russian that has whips. Yeah, something. Uh, yeah, whip man, something like that. <laughs> whip, whiplash. Maybe? Yeah, whiplash. Yeah, which is kind of so an interesting thought on this uh, particular. Since we're not gonna really talk much about Iron Man, this part of Iron Man two next week. But mm-hmm. have you watched uh, Agent Carter? Uh, not yet. Okay. On my list. There is a uh, a character appearance, and it's, I mean, it's not very pronounced or anything, um, by uh, the character Whiplash's father in Agent Carter. And I think it's in the first or second episode. Oh, interesting. So That's cool. just a little bit of a tie-in there. 
uh, that I'll tease you all with. Uh, I definitely do recommend Agent Carter, by the way. It's uh, a good show so far. Yeah, I've been I have been behind on Agents of Shield season two, so I've been working through that slowly, and then I'll probably pick up Agent of Carter after that. Agents of Shield a lot better in season two than it was in one. That's for yeah. Sure. It's been I'm on episode four right now. I think mm-hmm. um, I'm re- I've been really impressed with it so far. Yeah, it's ever since in season one when they do this the the tie in with uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, that's when it really kicks into high gear. The entire show is really just waiting to get to winter soldier yeah pretty much okay so like i said next week we'll be talking about iron man 2 so i'm hoping you'll be able to join us then and maybe justin will be back in time for iron man 2 we'll see other otherwise we'll uh we might have another guest appearance by one of our favorite friends so um i have a question for the listeners and for you um i think i know your answer but who played the hulk best Ooh. So we have, but, we have... Hang, hang on. So I, do you, are you specifically referring to the Hulk, or are you referring to Bruce Banner? So we'll take it as a complete package. So Banner and the Hulk. Okay. I, I think I'd have to give it to Mark Ruffalo. Um, I, I do enjoy Edward Norton's uh, portrayal of Bruce Banner and the Hulk. I think Mark Ruffalo does a slightly more nuanced job of it. Um, Norton feels kind of angsty about it the whole time. Banner is a little more at peace, I think, which is nice. And for some of the development as well of the character. Yeah. And I think with, uh, I I share the same opinion that I I prefer Ruffalo. Um, I I just like his version of Banner because he's, he's a little bit more, he's reserved, but he's also just like, whatever happens, happens, kind of just let things happen. And, I uh, should have gotten paid first type situation, you know, when we first see him. So it's, yeah. uh, but he, he's very aware of what's inside of him and what he can do. So it's, it's cool to, to see that go, uh, in the Avengers, which is kind of sad because I never like to see, especially a main character like that recast, yeah. but because they did it, um, I'm not opposed. He, Mark Ruffalo did a great job definitely so um that'll about wrap up our show for this week Uh, we do have a a code to give away still so uh listeners of the show have not yet been entering we have had zero (laughs) entries to uh get this particular code um and i have a code for it is a code for assassin's creed black flag on xbox one oh very nice excellent game it is a great game i loved it i have like 96 percent completion on the story i just need to go back and do 100 percent sequences on a couple yeah. missions but uh it's a great game um definitely uh worth money but you can enter to win it for free and uh so to enter to win just tweet at entertaining pod with hashtag entertaining code and just say something <laughs> <laughs> say i hate the hulk say i love iron man i don't care just tweet at entertaining uh, pod with the hashtag entertaining code and say something that'll you enter you into win because i have uh, actually a few codes now that i want to give out to that i've acquired uh and and purchased various routes so uh, i'd like to spread the wealth a little bit and the first step is to get this one claimed by someone so to enter, just follow Entertaining Pod, tweet at Entertaining Pod with hashtag Entertaining Code, and say whatever you want to say. 
Cool. So, um, also review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, we are available on both of those clients. Uh, I'm looking maybe to see about getting us on a uh, an Xbox client because I was asked recently if we are on Xbox podcast. And honestly, I have to say I thought that since Zune went defunct, um, it didn't carry over to Xbox. So I need to look into that. Yeah, that's how I get all of my podcasts, and I highly recommend it, if only because I have a Windows phone and I'm lonely. <laughs> get, get some more content over there for the Microsoft folks, right? It would be nice. We're, we're starving a little bit sometimes. It's okay. But we're also on Stitcher, which is device agnostic. So you can go to any device and download the Stitcher app and find uh, uh, That's Entertaining on there and rate us and listen to us on there if you like as well. Contact us, as we said, on Twitter, at EntertainingPod. You can also send us an email to That'sEntertaining at gmail.com if you have any comments. And my individual Twitter is SithNightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. Justin, who's not here, he is JPicky86, J-P-I-C-K-Y-8-6. And Steven, are you on the tweets? I am, so you can find me at uh, srice08. Uh, I have to be honest, I don't actually use it all that often, but if you tweet at me, I promise I'll respond because I get those <laughs> notifications. <laughs> but, nice. Yeah, uh, so you can find me there. Uh, you're more likely to find me at the Ion Cannon podcast, and I'm blanking on what our uh, Twitter handle is there, but if you search Ion Cannon podcast, you can find us there or on Facebook. And if you're interested in Star Wars, uh, check us out. Yeah. Um, I... I do personally have to say that your podcast is great. You guys do a Rebels roundtable um, for each of the new episodes coming out for Star Wars Rebels. Um, yes. I think those are coming to a close pretty soon. Yeah, so I, funnily enough, I just saw this while we were recording. Um, in fact, they've announced that there's two more episodes, I believe, and that's it. So there's going to be 14 total? I believe it'll bring it up to 14, yeah. That's good. That's that's a good show. I'm I'm surprised that the season is how short it is, honestly. But yeah, it was I, really good. I think it's probably because of the uh just how fast they were trying to get the show up and going. You know, Clone Wars had uh, had months to like get going and Rebels not not quite so much. Yeah. And I mean with Rebels too, I mean it's really been hitting on on high notes the entire time. There hasn't been so with Clone Wars there was you know, a few arcs that were groaners. You get, you know, yeah, the, the Jar Jar, Jar, Jar arcs, arcs or the Droids to Nowhere arcs or something like that, where you kind of yeah. have three episodes that are kind of blah, just get past them. Um, but this, so the fact that they're doing it more in a, in a presentation where everything adds on to each other, they're not doing mm-hmm. individual shows or episodes. They're actually building on each other is nice. And yep. they're all, they've all been great, honestly. And, I mean, I would, the lowest I would say one would be out of ten is probably like a five or a six to me. Yeah, so I've had a couple of episodes that I, I felt like they haven't been amazing. They haven't been, you know, fantastic. But even those are few and far between, and when their worst isn't all that bad, I'm pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last episode, A Call to Action, was pretty fantastic, too. Yep, I talked about that last week. I think that was an amazing episode with Tarkin. Yeah. They, they nailed his character's perfectly i think yep and steven stanton returned to voice him and it was just it was like coming home it was so good yeah so 
But yeah, I definitely recommend Ion Cannon Podcast. Uh, they do Thank a you. great job reviewing the uh, the episodes. And they do something with, what do they call them, Womp Rats? We, do, we, we torture Womp Rats on a regular basis. <laughs> I promise we're not serial killers or anything crazy like that. Uh, and if you know what Womp Rats are, you will enjoy the show. So look for Ion Cannon Podcast. Definitely. Well, for me, for Steven, for Justin... We thank you for listening this week, and we hope that you have been entertained.